Well, I've been sitting here for an hour, and you know who I've been waiting for. It's JQ. He's late again. Just late. You know what? I'm going to stop complaining and just just drop that intro. Drop that intro. He knows this is an important podcast, and he's not here. He's late. He's late. He doesn't respect the progress. He doesn't respect. He doesn't respect the process. That damn JQ. Anyway, he should be here by the time this interview is. He should be here by the time I go through my, uh, my introduction and all that stuff. We shall see. Who knows? JQ be late to his own funeral. Tell you, 2023. He's been late two times. Late, late, late. Anyway, we got RC to talk about. Drop that intro. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 220 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keena White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And joining me later will be JQ. You know how that goes. I don't want to talk about it. He's late. But we got a pretty cool podcast for you this week. We got three world champions. That's right. Uh, Jared Tebow joins us for a little one-on-one talk with me, him, and JQ. That's three people talking, but just him, JQ, and I. And then we bring on his team, his new teammates, the Viking David Ronafalk, as well as Robert Batty. And we, we geek out over RC and Mayako and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's a really good chat. I really enjoyed talking with him. I actually listened more than talk, so that was good. Uh, but great chat with those guys. Thank you to Robert and thank you to David as well as Jared for coming on and uh, talking with us about RC. Jared talks a little bit about his SIC. I know everybody was looking for a full-fledged SIC recap this week, but I just, you know, with this podcast, how we planned it, just, you know, we planned, we had planned all this prior to SIC. So eh, we do touch on it, but, uh, you know, I talked to Jared about it and get his opinions and what he thought. Uh, But you know what? We got a lot to talk about this week, but before we do that, I need to say thank you to all of you guys out there. Yes, all of you, the NNRC squad around the world. Without you, none of this is possible. Thank you for all the continued support. Uh, We greatly appreciate it. Also, shout out to the patrons of the NNRC. Without you guys, uh, you know, 
we can't keep these bills paid. So thank you to the patrons and the YouTube members of the NNRC. If you wish to be a patron or NNRC YouTube member, the links for that are in the written description of this podcast. The patrons actually getting very active. I'm posting a lot in there. So trying to make it very special in there for all the patrons. Thank you guys for your support. Also, Thank you to all these awesome companies that support the podcast. They are our primary sponsor, InvisibleSpeed.net, Hitech RC, celebrating their 50th year. Congratulations to Hitech RC. TMR Fuels, we have the A-Main Challenge coming up this weekend. Sun Padal USA, Mayako, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, Ardent Imprint, RC Hoss, Racecraft USA, House of RC, shout out to Danny Paz, WRCE did a great job of covering the SIC event, RCGP, shout out to David Ronafalk of Ronafalk Racing, uh, also give him his, his new IG and his Facebook alike because he lost all of that stuff, shout out to JTP RC, uh, Jared Tebow's brand, 36 Mood, aka Bob Badier, and of course, shout out to my good friend, the Dr. Alexander Hagberg, and shout out to Clinic RC. But as you guys have noticed, they've also ventured out and we created their own engine brand called R- R- Race Tech. Now, I remember when Tony was talking to me about this, he wanted to develop a budget-friendly racing engine. So this is the Race Tech 3P.213 port race spec engine. He's been developing this for over 12 months, designed and developed in the USA. The Race Tech 3P engine has a 3 plus 2 port design and a with in a die cast crankcase it has high quality bearings to ensure long life and smooth rpms the 3p also features an alloy composite two needle carburetor with a long slow speed needle that ensures solid idling with smooth transition to high rpms and a solid return to idle while maximizing fuel mileage along the way Uh, the combustion chamber has been optimized for 20 to 30 percent race fuel by producing Big power with low nitron content will give much more fuel mileage. The billet cooling head. Now, this is the this is what I like the most. The billet cooling head will come in black, blue, red, or pink. Those of you that remember the old times when we had the O'Donnell heads and Noser heads, uh, they used to come in different colors and you used to be able to pimp your car out with your with your collar. Uh, it has a whole other plethora of other specs that you can check out at uh, the clinicrc.com website. But the price line will be $299 for this engine. I'll check them out. If you have any questions about the engine, contact Tony Newland directly and uh, he will answer all the questions that you need. But thank you to Clinic RC and for all their support. Check them out with their new budget engine. All right, guys, we do have a fairly long podcast. We don't have much RC news going on, just some race announcements coming up. And then we get into our chat with JQ and Tebow. But before I go on, I just want to say some shout outs to a few people here. SIC was awesome, by the way. I really enjoyed the coverage. Uh, congratulations to Dakota Fan and TLR on a win. Fan absolutely swept that race. Wow. I'm just saying in my brain, like, who's going to beat Fan? Uh, Mayfield looked okay with his techno. He came second, I think, in um, Nitro Buggy. He was fast and truggy, too, but had a flame out. And and then uh, I think he lost a wheel near the end when he, when he did. But Mayfield is going to be up to pace soon. Tebow didn't have the best in Nitro Buggy. Had a good you know, I think he finished 15th, but broke a wheel. He talks more about that in our interview. But uh, yeah, great first race. Uh, congratulations to everybody that went there. I watched it. I thought the coverage was great. Kudos to Dave for getting Danny up there to do the coverage. Uh, he does a great job. And, you know, I, I love what, what the work that Danny does. 
And um, yeah, I enjoyed SIC all weekend. And this weekend, we have TNR Fuels to watch. And that's going to be all on Mod, and you can watch that on Mod's coverage as well. All right. Um, offered. So I got to show you this. I posted this today. Uh, I did mention, I did not say the name properly, but uh, it's offered rcracer.com. This is a tumbler. It's a cup. He also has sent me some hats and t-shirts, but he's also uh, my buddy George and Toby and a couple other guys from the Northeast RC Racing have started a podcast called the Northeast RC Racer Podcast or NERP, as I like to call it. Uh, I listened to their first episode. Congratulations to them. Uh, I gave Toby some tips on how he can improve his, you know, his video and all that stuff and some software to use. So I hope they use it. It's always good to see more podcasts and more people coming out. They're going to focus mostly on the Northeast racing, which is great. We have the Eng racer podcast, which is like engineer racer podcast. Another podcast coming out of England. This features Michael Orlowski and Trish, who's the engineer, uh, Ryan Clark. And I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but I was listening to their podcast here recently that dropped last week. So you can check them out. Uh, on my personal Facebook, uh, shout out to Lucas Lauren, man. Lucas Lauren, uh, made a three part documentary from, from the fall roll race. And I think this is so great. He didn't focus on any top drivers. He focused on local drivers. It was David Olsen. He's doing well. And these two young local, uh, young female drivers from the Southeast. I have to say that. I thought this is one of the best RC documentaries that I've ever watched. I really enjoyed it, Lucas. Good job. I know you, 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 you know, you, you put a lot of time into the effort into this. So I think you guys need to go there, smash that like button for Lucas, uh, smash that sub button, leave a comment. That's helpful because, you know, he's doing great work, man. And I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, also, Wheel and Trigger dropped another podcast. That's Brent Dansford. That's Lucas's boss out of BTRC with uh, Chase Erlach, the yeah dude. He's actually going to be our guest next week. I interviewed him. Uh, so check that out. It's good to see all this content coming out about RC. The more RC content out there, the better it is. Somebody will catch on to that. Also, speaking of content, uh, I met the Hall brothers. Well, one half of the Hall brothers, the younger half, Tommy Hall, I believe his name was. I met him at the Florida carpet race. Very nice young man, him and his father. They have a, he's also a European champion. Him and his brother have a YouTube channel as well. And I, I, I looked at it for the first time uh, yesterday. I know it's been out for a while, but I really sat down and looked at it. And they do a really good job, man. I like what they're doing. So go check it out. We need to support as much RC content out there because, as you guys know, as much RC co content out there in the interwebs floating around. Uh, it's a good thing. So we need to, we need to, you know, more content out there, the more RC we get. So with all that said, we're going to go on to some high tech RC news. And then um, we'll come in and have an interview with Jared Tebow and JQ. JQ joins me for some RC news as well. And um, yeah, let's get this ball rolling. Uh, thank you to everybody. If I missed somebody, thank you to offer an RC racer for sending me this stuff, man. Check them out. They're doing branded clothing for RC purposes. One of the shirts says, I love the smell of nitro in the morning. Well, that's right up my alley right there. So thank you to George for sending that all out to me. And um, hey, let's get this podcast going. JQ is supposed to answer questions, but I have a feeling that this podcast is going to go too long and he's not going to be able to answer questions. So yeah, 
Let's see. With that said, let's go on to the high tech RC news and then on to the invisible speed interview of Jared Tebow. Well, JQ, you got a bear. You feeling better than when I first talked to you five minutes ago? Yeah, much better you know, now. Thank you. The reason why you're not feeling this is because you're late. The podcast starts when I arrive. I have you know told what? you this many times. I have no idea why, why I insist on being here on time and sitting around like an idiot for an hour waiting for you. I always say I'll half take that hour. time to do something. Anyway, it was you know what? Hour. You know what? We got a lot to cover in this podcast. We got three world champions, a village idiot, and lefty. But we have a few, little bit of RC news to talk about before we get on to our world champion chat. Notice that you are not included in the three world champions of that. You are definitely the village idiot in that title. You just know okay. that, right? So I just wanted to uh, say congratulations to High Tech, who is the sponsor of the High Tech RCD News. They're celebrating their golden anniversary as a world-renowned influential electronics manufacturer. They were founded in 1973. They're celebrating their 50th year of uh, operation. They've been a big supporter of the NNRC and myself and continue to be a big supporter of the NNRC and uh, RC. Uh, they are growing. I think we'll be together at the DNC. I'll be in the high-tech booth doing all my stuff out of there, so come by and see me. But uh, really proud to be a part of uh, high-tech. I remember using their servers 20 years ago when I was racing back home in Bermuda. Uh, and they've made a great push at getting back into racing over the last two years. So it's awesome to see more races coming back to high tech and trusting in high tech for their server and charging needs. Uh, remember, 50 years of high tech being in business. Congratulations. If you want to purchase some high tech equipment, go to high tech RCD slash where to buy. And uh, or if you're buying them from a hobby shop, just say you heard about it on the No Name RC podcast. Congratulations to high tech on their 50th. Uh, year of operation jq a couple of things i want to talk about we got the tnr fuels a main challenge this weekend i heard it's gonna be pretty big we got uh tebow going lots oh dude, dude did you see lots uh broke his foot at uh sic no. yep tara Moshkin broke his foot but uh he's gonna be there he might be there tebow's going rivkin's going there calves out there for his new wrc i'm here mayfield's gonna be there you know, all that good stuff. Oh, JQ, Drake made good the race. main at SIC. Drake actually drove a very good B main to bump up to the A main. I forgot to tell you that. But I don't want you to get your hopes up because that doesn't mean that because Drake done well at SIC, that means you will do well with DNC and all this type of stuff. So don't get your hopes up. We have some RC news to talk about. Um, I'm just so hoping one, one day he... Uh... Grows up and starts racing 40 plus. And I hope Ifma makes uh, 40 plus world championships and, and we can go and uh, race each other there. No, you'll be in the 40 plus zone soon. Not too soon. Not, not. Yeah, but soon that's my goal. There. Race Drake right. in 40 plus worlds. Okay, good. I think there should, I think there will be a 40 plus worlds at some point. Anyway, yeah, we got the TNR Fuels AMA Challenge. Uh, petitioning. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for interrupting me. TNR Fuels A-Main Challenge coming up this weekend at Thunder Alley. Chris Nelson's giving away a lot of prizes. It have full coverage on mod. You can check uh, all of the 
I'll be posting all the links on Facebook as well as in the Patreon, uh, Patreon as well. I'm going to post a lot of stuff on the Patreon as well. So check it out there. We have the Montpellier warm-up this weekend as well. JQ, the actual race is February 12th. Robert's going to that. I see that the SIGP is back. You went to this race, I believe, in China, right? The Sampadao factory? Yes. You, yep, Jorn, did, a few years ago. Ryan Lutz was there. Billy Easton was there. I see Billy Easton yep. is racing again, too. He was uh, at... He was at this Clash of Champions race and that I was watching, 10 race. So, Great. yeah. And then we have the Philippine Masters coming up. And I heard you might be going to that too. Yeah, I don't know. Robert's going for sure. Me, mm-hmm. I don't know yet. Interesting, interesting. Um, no other real news than that coming out. I haven't really seen anything this week. I know we have a long podcast planned to th- this week, so that's why I'm not going to dwell too much into the RC news. Uh, as we go, we do have these three world champions and you coming on and me. But uh, first, we have a little interview with uh, your newest acquisition of the Mayako team, uh, Tebow. We talked to him. We're going to talk to him about how his weekend went at SIC and his decision to join Mayako. And then we're going to have uh, David and, Ro- and Robert come on. And we're going to have a little Mayako meeting, I guess, public meeting here to talk about what these guys want and just give people a little insight to what goes on in some of these things. So with that said, I don't have much high RC news. That's it. We're going to go right on to our interview with uh, Jared Tebow that is brought to you by Invisible Speed. Anything to say about Invisible Speed before we go on to this, JQ? Invisible Speed. I didn't expect that. Yeah, buy the book, buy the course, get fast. Make your speed visible, right? That's what you're going to say? That's right. And Tebow's a part of Invisible Speed. What will his role be now in Invisible Speed? Let's tell everybody that before we go in and talk to him about it. Uh, He's going to be in the sort of live meetings that we're going to have, and also in the Discord, of course, answering questions. So now if you join uh, in January, you have a chance of mm-hmm. winning a free Mayako membership to celebrate Ooh, that. Really? Tebow. Uh, yes. So there you go. If you join the uh, Invisible Speed online course, you will win a Mayako membership. Oh, course. Was it the you course? You win it. You, you have a chance. Yeah, full course. Then you have a chance of winning a Mayako membership. So in March, yes. we'll start the... Uh, sort of one week long live video sessions. We do four each year. We're supposed to. <laughs> Last year we didn't. <laughs> this year we're going to try again. Each quarter we do uh, one week of live videos, um, go over some stuff, give out homework. Then in the next session, uh, we analyze the homework and go over new stuff, give out new homework. So I'm actually going to force uh, David, Robert, and Jared to also do the homework and also provide their feedback so it's going to be the best year yet okay awesome invisiblespeed.net thank you they are the primary sponsor of the no name rc podcast make your speed visible and remember if you buy it within the month of january you have it's now as a recording it's the 18th you can win a chance you'll be entered in a chance to win on my aqua membership very good all right let's get tebow in here jq Cool. So we're back here with Jared Tebow, who recently made the switch over. Actually, you had everybody hopping during 
uh, silly season. I think you, I think um, you played it really well. Everybody was wondering where you was going to go. I can't believe you're wearing a Mayako shirt. I remember when JQ first told me this, he's like, I can't believe he signed Jared Tebow. But I met you like on this, I was listening to uh, one of our first podcasts. I was looking in, at our first podcast we done back in 2019 or 2018, it might've been. I never thought this would happen. You are on Mayako team with JQ, with Robert, with uh, David, who we're going to have on her later. We're going to have a meeting with you guys. Man, what a silly season. How did this happen? I guess that's the first thing we got to say. How did you go from Techno at the Worlds to Mayako here in January? Yeah, yeah, definitely a uh, situation that I didn't really see happening. Um, you know, really how it happened was uh, Joseph just reached out after after Spain and you know, my plans was to just kind of stay with techno, keep kind of doing what I was doing. That was, I would say the easier road. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just, you know, decently happy there and, you know, getting paid to race and, you know, doing all that stuff. I had kind of told them like, you know, that was the last chassis sponsorship change that I really wanted to make. And, you know, I was expecting to end my career at techno. Um, and then that all kind of changed after Spain, I reached out to them and, you know, was like, Hey, let's start working on uh, contract, you know, renewal and stuff like that. And before Spain, they had kind of made it clear ish to me that everything was good to go so i wasn't expecting any type of change and then you know joseph reached out to me and i was like oh you know i'm i think i said i'm not not interested and he was like what does not not mean i'm like well you know i'm it's not off the table for me but mm -hmm. i have plans to just stay with techno and just do that you know if for some crazy reason that doesn't work out then i would be interested and, you know, it turned out to where Techno kind of replied to me like, oh, we're checking our options. And, you know, that caught me off guard. Like, oh, man, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen. So then we started talking and then, um, you know, it turned out that I was getting replaced at Techno by Ryan Mayfield. And and then, you know, the the best option uh, was to do the to do the whole Mayako thing. And, um, you know, a lot of things really lined up. And I think, I think this, uh, is actually a really good thing to happen for me. And just the timing couldn't have been any better, um, with me and Robert, you know, uh, no offense to Joseph here, but if, if Robert wasn't here, it, I don't know if it would work mm -hmm. quite as well. You know, me and Robert have a good relationship. Um, he seems to kind of have that uh, supporting mindset and has been kind of that supporting role for me that, that I've kind of needed, you know, this was a scary change and just a big change. And it was, you know, I needed someone to talk to that was like, Oh man, this is going to be good. Like we're going to do good together. Um, and Robert was that person for me that really made this kind of seem like it could work for me. So, yeah. So I remember talking to you at the, at the worlds and you said, you thought, every, I thought everything was good. You know, you was there, you was having a good yeah. time. You, I, I think it was like the one of the, you, you didn't make the final, 
um, I think it's one of the first worlds I've done that you haven't made it for a long time. Uh, when when they when Techno said that okay, we're going to look at options. Had you did you know like they were looking at Mayfield at that time? Was that the rumor, or how was that? You know, how did that happen? Um, I. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny. I, I do know because Ryan called me and he was like, oh, dude, we're going to be teammates. Okay. And I'm like, I don't think so, but you're actually probably going to replace me. And um, so, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I did kind of know. And, uh, you know, I think they must have, you know, kind of told it to him maybe a little different than they told mm-hmm. it to me. And um, so... Yeah, it was kind of a bummer how that happened. And, you know, we're both family guys. And I think right. we felt really bad about that. And, you know, it was a little awkward between us for a little just because he didn't want to do that to me. Um, but he didn't have any other options either, I don't think, to make it work for him and what he needs. So, you know, it, it's a small, tight-knit community here in the RC, and, you know, he's married, he has kids, so do I, and so he understands that it's it's a big deal, which, you know, a lot of keyboard <laughs> warriors out there have just no idea. They're like, oh, they're just chasing whatever and the money and blah, 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 and it's, it's so much more behind the scenes to make sure that everything works, and, you know, like, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's our job. Like no one goes to work for free and I have, I have bills that I have to pay and, you know, my kids eat food just like a normal family (laughs) eats food. Um, so yeah, it it was wildly high stress. Um, you know, just trying to make sure everything is going to work out. And, um, you know, I wasn't planning on switching it up. You know, the hot race thing was planned. I knew that was going to happen. Um, but I was kind of expecting to stay techno, but you know, life is wild. Sometimes you make a whole lot of plans and you know, none of them really play out. And when you look at it, you can't see the end, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe things happen for a reason. Like say I made, you know, I was so upset that I missed that world's main Um, because I, I work really hard. I take my racing very serious. Um, Mm -hmm. and I thought I put everything together to make that main and I was going to be happy to race around that fifth, sixth, seventh range. You know, I wasn't going to win. Um, but I think if I would have had, you know, the, if I didn't do the setup change that I did for the semi, I think I would have made it no problem. I think I would have been right in that fifth, sixth, seventh range. And then maybe like none of this would have happened. So um, sometimes it's hard, you know, you wish you did things differently, but uh, you know, certain plans just work out. Like if I didn't have JTP, all this stuff wouldn't have really happened. And, you know, certain things just really lined up. Uh, Joseph and I have had a really interesting relationship, I would say for 20 years. you know, definitely not friends. We've had times where we, you know, have been pretty cordial with each other. We've had times where it's definitely been pretty ugly between both of us, but there's been, Hey, we were friends at first when we we were friends at 2003, uh, BNC. Yeah. That's how it starts with you, JQ. 
Yeah. When you were friends with Josh Wheeler and stuff like that. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, 2005, it got a little ugly for certain reasons. Um, but uh, we've had this, like, I would say, like, a general respect for each other still. Um, we've talked, you know, he'll just, like, randomly message me sometimes. And, you know, there's been times where I wasn't that nice back or you know we talk and maybe he wasn't that nice to me but you know it's never been like i hate you you hate me this type of thing so Mm -hmm. you know i think this option was never at least for me it was never like completely off the table um and i think you know, somewhere deep down there, Joseph likes me a little bit and thinks that I'm a decent driver. So I think for him too, that this deal was never like completely off the table. Um, you know, obviously pretty unexpected for most, probably unexpected, you know, a little bit for both of us, but everything lined up good. And I think it's actually a pretty good fit and a better fit than most people realize. Uh, just a little bit that we have talk together you know we do have some similarities as far as like um you know some personality stuff just you know being brutally honest sometimes when maybe you could say things a little bit differently and that's been good for both of us and bad for both of us at different times in our lives um and you know being misunderstood a little bit too like you know I think Joseph is pretty misunderstood just as a human being. And that's an understatement, but <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm, you know, I've just been like, misunderstood as well. On a very times. sort of basic level as a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. He is definitely one of the most difficult pers- people I've, I've ever had the chance to figure it out. I've kind of figured him out now. Um, he thinks I haven't, but I have, uh, <laughs> And also on top of that, not uh, just rewinding the back. I want to I want to reiterate because a lot of people, like you said, you I remember when um, MX went out of business. Well, you know what the thing with MX and that yeah. affected you and and Mayfield, Rivkin, all those guys running MX. And I don't think I think you was. Re- I remember you came on the podcast. You was like, that's like a big chunk of my money every month going and security and travel. I remember that MX was a yeah, big part of you guys program. Yeah. In my pay. And that's a big deal. (laughs) I think instantly. Yeah. I think people don't understand like this. This is a job. You, you, you guys are the professional athletes of our sport, right? Our sport is very small. You guys are the professional athletes of our sport. You should get paid. You should get paid to do it. You know, the guys that have earned that should, you should make a living doing your race. And I think there's still room for that in RC, but it's not just about making enough to get by. I think you have to also, make enough to viably want to do this and not do something else, you know, because there's other jobs that you can make very good money at more money than RC. So when people, even for myself, getting sponsors for this podcast, your, your life, your, 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 your way of life might rely on, okay, we're not going to sponsor you this year or whatever. You have to go find that money. So I think anybody who has a, like if another job is going to give you better benefits and more pay, you're going to go there. You know, it's, it's obvious. It's, it's, it's like that. Now, um, I a lot think of people... times in RC is not that way. Exactly. Um, I mean, a lot of times drivers don't get re-signed. 
Exactly. No one really talks about it. People are like, oh, you left, you know? And it's like, well, like, I didn't leave techno. Like, they told me, we don't want to work with you anymore. And, you know, it's that happens a lot more than people think Mm -hmm. and people realize. And it's like, um, yeah, people are just not. Well, because really people, because we have this illusion, we have this illusion in RC yeah. where these companies are making millions and millions of dollars, and you guys yeah. are making, like I've heard, like people say, "Oh, I heard that Mayfield's made over two million dollars in his race career," and I'm like, I mean, that would be a lot of money, but from what I, that's a lot of money to make, and yeah, you know, two hundred thousand dollars, yeah, yeah. A year over. So I a good it, amount of time. Yes, yes, this was another time, but this is. This is what people have to understand. You have to, you have, this is your job. You have to make, you give up a lot of your time. Look, you're going to be going two weekends again, this in a row, the time prior to getting ready for a race, all that stuff. It takes time. It's your job yeah. like anything else. So you have to make the moves that you, that you're going to, and with you, you have a big family, you have to provide for them. So things have to be done. You have to do what you have to do. Uh, yeah, but yeah. honestly, I mean, one thing that I also heard was, um, a bit like when um, uh, Durango came about, mm-hmm. like Durango signed everyone. And that really was like with money, like just offering drivers money. And that's why they switched. So this isn't like that. Like Jared yeah. didn't switch to Mayako because we made some big offer and he signed. Like it's mm-hmm. not for the money. This, it, this is different uh, because the key point to... The negotiations on money right now. Definitely wasn't <laughs> yeah. for more money. <laughs> negoti- the key point to the negotiations wasn't the money, but the opportunity and what we mm-hmm. will do together. That was the key point. So uh, he's a racer, but he also has his web shop and uh, selling stuff and his own brand and planning to make this a career past racing. That was key, right? Because he will grow into the role of basically Mayako USA. Like when you think Mayako, you think Jared Tebow in America. That's the idea. So that that's why I at least think that he signed because there's a long-term goal where it's a win-win in a sense. Like Mayako needs Jared, Jared needs Mayako. That's, that's what well, the deal is. So there's much more to it than just... Uh, a paycheck or a salary like that that wasn't the thing and what comes to us like me and Jared I I mean I honestly it may seem very often people think that I have something against them when I really don't like I I don't have uh anything personal against Jared even though a lot of people may think so um I I don't I I do remember one neo <laughs> <laughs> one Neo e-buggy I, I race. I knew where, the uh, Neo story was going to come up. We, <laughs> we tangled in the main. I was actually in the main, believe it or not. And uh, it was in the B was main. The, it was in the was B, it main, in the B we main. Tangled. Yeah. Are you sure? That's why I was so upset. Was because we were both in a transfer. Oh, spot. okay. Okay, I remember wrong. And it was it's a little a, bit of a reckless, a little bit of a reckless yeah, move. And so then I, that I lost that year there was that. Bit. Boom, at the end of the straight. So me and Bloomfield go in side by side. And then when we come out, we touch. And Tebow had snuck down the inside. And when we touched, I uh, 
like ping pong ball right into Tiba and Tiba flies on the straight and basically is out. And then he See waited there, for I, me. I don't and, even and know that you were. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that you tangled. See, I thought you just came across and was trying to block me up that jump and sit me on the straightaway. Yeah. But, so anyway, yeah, and then I did then, wait for you. Yeah, he, he waited uh, for me to like come around again, and then he took me out at the end of the straight in that berm. So that's why I never let off. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So I I go around the berm like this, and he just kept kept it pinned straight. Boom! Perfect T bow. T bone. I flew T bowed you, I guess. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was that was a low point. We got into it, got pretty heated <laughs> afterwards. That was definitely yeah. a low point. I would say. Yeah, but things things like that, like I'm just that kind of person where I don't really hold a grudge for uh, those kind of things. Like you have to go sort of pretty deep uh, to to get me to hold a grudge against you. I would say so. I wouldn't worry about that. Okay, uh, and I'll be honest with you. He he was very excited to have you on because he just like. He just kept saying, "Oh, I can't believe Tebow's gonna be driving a Mayako." <laughs> That's what he just kept saying to me. He like he looking. held that excitement away from me pretty good, so I couldn't really oh, tell if he wanted me or not. He's good at masking it, trust me. <laughs> but he was, he was, you know, I've no JQ. All right, uh, you also made some some switches to Ultimate Engines. I I kind of thought that was natural with uh, your affiliation with Brent at BRC. You're a BRC driver, which is good. Ultimate's like blowing up in America. Hot race is definitely uh, one of the fastest, if if not fastest wearing brands of tires in the world. And it's, I would say it's probably in second behind JC in America right now. Uh, you have been on AKA forever. I remember you went to ProLine for like a year, went back to AKA. Uh, uh, that decision was to come. I, I think at the end of the year, you was probably like, yeah, I'm going to be doing hot race. Or you said before that. So when did that decision come up to change from AKA over to hot race? I mean, honestly, this hot race deal has been kind of in the works since like 2018. Uh, me and Nicola have been friends for a while. You know, he ran Kyosho and stuff. And so um, it, it's been in the works for a long time. Just like the timing never really worked out. Uh, 2019, I was pretty much planning to run hot race, but Techno told me that I couldn't, that they wanted me to stay on AKA. So that kind of derailed it a little bit. Um, and then, you know, with the horizon and AKA thing and just last year just didn't go how it really should go mm -hmm. as far as, you know, for handling the racing side and everything like that. Um, yeah, it was just something that was, you know, had been in the works for a long time and something that we both wanted to happen and the timing was finally just correct for it. Okay, good stuff. Uh, how did you, so now, okay, let's move on a little bit further. You got the Mayako car, you did some testing. By the way, I had secret spy video of that from um, at, at, at Hobbyplex. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. Yes, you felt, now what really encouraged me is like, I talked to like Shelby, he was all excited about it. And he was telling me how good you was doing and how you felt. So I've known Shelby for quite a long time. Nice guy. What's up, Shelby? Uh, Tampa loss. So no Tampa in the, in the playoffs. They were sucked all year anyway. Uh, he's a football fan. Uh, he you like Chiefs, though. Yeah, he's a Chiefs. He, you know, Tampa beat Chiefs in Super Bowl. But uh, 
you went down there, you went to Thornhill, and then you was confident enough to go to SIC 23 here recently. Uh, tell us a little bit about that decision and how you felt inst- when you first picked up the car and driving it and, and all that stuff. I mean, Omaha went way better than expected. And I think that was like, you know, it was maybe a good and bad thing. Um, I put on like a setup that David had ran that was like high grip. And my normally, I don't feel comfortable with Omaha. And the car was literally incredible there. Uh, Shelby raced it, and he had his best race he's ever had. And then I drove it on Sunday, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this car is insane. Like, I was ready to go race anyone, anywhere, and it just felt really good, which was a a good thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it was masked pretty heavily on just that's a really specific track it is and we just had like the correct setup that really worked there Mm -hmm. so then uh you know unfortunately i didn't get my cars early enough to be able to run at my home track at all like i can't really drive locally from december until april which you know is is a you know a downfall it's not ideal uh, there's some tracks I can kind of go to, but I got to travel pretty far. So then, um, you know, just I was thinking I was going to go to Thornhill more and just it just didn't really work. Just everything was kind of delayed and things, you know, just with the hot race stuff and like the new website and trying to get all the Mayako stuff. And there was just so many moving pieces. I didn't get to really go to the track as much as I thought I was going to go to the track. And I kind of needed to make a decision on what races I was going to go to so I could book stuff. Um, You know, just to be completely honest, like Joseph was pretty against me going to SIC. And then I was talking to Robert and some of the other Mako people. And it was just a little bit kind of, uh, I think, lost in communication some. And, you know, a lot of the Mako USA guys were really trying to get me to go to SIC, you know. Should I have gone? Should I have not gone? I I think it was really good that I went because race conditions, you learn things that you just don't learn testing. I think that, you know, like I uh, have said before, you know, maybe testing is not my strongest suit. And mm-hmm. it's hard when you go run by yourself because normally, you know, if you don't have something to really base off of base off of like i can outdrive some things and it's like oh man my car feels pretty good like i'm going around good my lap times are good so i didn't want to just try to do a bunch of testing and then show up to dnc and then just not really know like where i was going to stack up um people will forget my result at sic most likely after this weekend um you know <laughs> this is the that, truth though this Bad is the results truth. like disappear pretty quickly, just like wins disappear mm-hmm. pretty quickly, you know. And so I wanted to just see where I was going to stack up and just get that out of the way. Like I said, it, uh, you know, in my career, like I don't need to prove anything. I've won plenty of races. I don't feel like I need to prove anything. If I have a bad race, like, yeah, it's a bummer, but it's not going to change my life. If I wanted to have a good DNC, which I want to have a good DNC, 
in my opinion, I needed to go to SIC. And honestly, having a bad SIC was probably better because I know that now there's some things that I really need to focus on and some key setup things that I really need to get figured out so that I'm comfortable in certain conditions. But on the positive side, like I was fast. I had times where I was really fast Mm -hmm. and that's been something that's been lacking, um, you know, in the past couple of years, like I'm not leading qualifiers very often. I'm not fighting for a TQ. I mean, the first half of practice, I was probably the fastest car on the track. You know, people were watching my cars. I was doing good lap times. Tons of people were coming up like, oh my gosh, your car looks amazing. And it was when the track green. I think his camera died. Or his internet dropped. Hello? Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. Sorry about we that. go we'll go back in three, two. You was talking about the track was green. The track was yeah. three, two, one. Yeah, so when the track was green, I had really good speed. Uh the car was just fast. I was driving really well. Like I could drive accurate. You know, race time races, traffic is crazy. And like I could go around through traffic really well and felt really comfortable. So as the track was changing, which I knew this was going to be the hard thing. And this was why I wanted to go race because you don't get this when you go testing because the track doesn't change at all. And as the track started to change, then that's when it got a little bit more difficult for me. Um, I lost some speed middle of the day end of practice. Again, I was right on pace. Started qualifying was pretty good. You know, I would have had top three runs pretty much every time in buggy. If I didn't have, you know, one mistake, I kind of had one mistake in each buggy run and they were just silly mistakes. A couple of them, especially in the first round were because I didn't have my paint job. And it's really wild when, if I drive with my paint, the amount of respect I get versus driving with a white body and really, in like nitro buggy, I had some guy yeah. just like racing me out there on like probably didn't two, know who you two laps to go, just like battling me. And yeah, that's what it caused me to crash. And, you know, it cost me a top, you know, top five or top three run. And um, so, you know, the weekend was actually pretty decent. Yeah, it kind of fell apart there at the end of the main, but there was still some good things. Like one thing that you know, Joseph probably doesn't know. I was getting incredible fuel mileage. I did my first piss off at 10 minutes. Really? I was going to pit at 10 and I hit it at 10. No problem. Made the first one. And so I was me and Brandon Rose. We both kind of got screwed at the start and we both got sent to the back and we were both kind of coming up. So, you know, I would have been kind of right around where he was that fifth, mm-hmm. sixth, seventh kind of range uh, with, you know, kind of how my car was and the little bit of discomfort I had, um, you know, which we found out what that was later, uh, you know, I would have been okay with that. So there was definitely some good things to take away. Like, yes, did I want to have my debut race go like this? Absolutely not. But I want to do good at DNC. And so if it takes a 15th at SIC and a broken wheel in the main to make sure I podium DNC, I don't really care. 
Motivation. So that's kind of where I said, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, motivation, maybe, uh, you know, kind of realizing that I had my car not as good as I thought I had it, I would say would be the biggest thing. And it, it turned out to be a couple silly things, um, you know, and that's something that I, I that has lacked in my career is just knowing like when to run certain stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not sure why that has been like that. You know, it's not like I don't go testing. It's not like I don't keep notes. Like I keep really strict notes and all this stuff. And I'm not sure kind of why it's been like that. You know, maybe I just don't have, uh, you know, the right person to maybe explain certain things and maybe that will change now. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it does. Yeah. And also I can imagine a lot of the, I know the, the Mayako USA guys have been waiting for this for years, you know, because yeah. a lot of them were JQ guys previously. I know they wanted to have you there. I know they're, they're happy to have you there. You got to meet them. Everybody that I've talked to enjoyed having you there. I talked to Mike Walker, Trent, all those guys, they had a good time. Uh, I think it, that was an important part. And to yes. just show, like, we're taking it serious. Like, you know, we want to support the race time races. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, you know, you don't do the Supercross year and skip A1. And that's just kind of well, how, how I kind of looked at it. Well, SIC is that first big one, eighth race in the yeah. USA. So I get that. It's it's definitely uh, turned into that big race for for the first of the year. Uh, I wanted to just talk about the race a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, I enjoyed the layout. It was, you know, I've watched sick enough years to know how it gets. I know it gets, I know it gets smoky. That's why I never want to go. Um, a lot of questions were there. Mayfield was, you know, how was that? Like that dynamic, like Mayfield, if your X team and you over there. And then in my opinion, I'll be honest with you guys. I think Fend is going to be very hard to beat this year, but he will be beaten. Uh, how did you feel about that? Like that must have been, you know, just odd for you. I think if me and Mayfield don't have like the relationship that we have, mm-hmm. it would be a little more awkward. I mean, it was similar to when I went to Techno with Lutz. You know, me mm-hmm. and Lutz are kind of friends, but you know, we're not like that close. So, like, I wanted to beat Lutz anytime I got on the track. Right. Um, you know, I obviously yes want to beat Ryan, but I'm not like, dude, I hate that guy. Like, I want. I don't want him to succeed. Like I like Ryan. We are good friends. We've literally grown up together. We were kids on the same team at one point together. And now we're married and we have our own kids. And like, we've just like lived life together. And, you know, I want him to succeed the same way he wants me to succeed. And we have that respect for each other. You know, obviously do I want techno to win? No, I, I don't. Um, you know, I feel like this whole situation could have been handled better and a little bit more professional on their side, which was a bummer. So, you know, I don't want them to succeed, but I'm not, you know, like wanting Mayfield to have bad races or anything like that. Obviously I want to beat him, And I think I'll get to a point to where I'm going to have more opportunity to beat him than I did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this wasn't a fair shot as far as him with a new car and me with a new car, because he has probably had 30 plus track days, you know, Mm -hmm. starting in October. Um, 
you know, to where I literally had four tracks. Yeah, I understand. He's had a lot more before, time. So what what did you think of him with his new ride, uh, with the techno ride? I, I thought he did pretty well. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he's got the car working good. They've definitely gone in a different direction kind of since, um, you know, I think they kind of had some new parts that they were kind of going a direction and then, you know, they knew I wasn't going to be there. And so, you know, they weren't really involving me in, in that stuff, which is totally fine. Like I, I understand that. And, you know, they've gone a different direction. Um, you know, I think the car in race conditions is a little bit harder to drive as far as like when you're trying to battle and, um, you know, but if one person can drive a car that's not handling, ideally it's Ryan, he's kind of shown that throughout his whole career. So, you know, I think he's going to do good. You know, do I want to beat him? Yes. Do I think I will be able to beat him? Yes, I do think okay. I will at certain times. How about Fend, man? Uh, he's looking kind of untouchable at this moment. Do you think he's <laughs> just, I have him as the best all around driver. When I mean all around, I think he can drive eight scale and 10 scale anywhere and do well. People are saying when he goes outdoors, it's going to be different, but he won a nationals outdoors too. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, he's just, he's wildly skilled. He is yeah. in his prime right now, which, you know, he's been racing forever, mm-hmm. but he learned a lot of terrible habits when he was young because they had him racing stock. He mm. raced stock way too long. Okay. And when you race stock, you learn so many bad driving habits that it took him forever to get past that. Mm. And I, you know, but he, he's still pretty young he's a lot younger than what me and mayfield and cav and stuff are and he's right in his prime right now and when when you have that confidence that confidence is just wildly dangerous and the more you win the more that confidence grows and you know i've had times in my career like 2005 where like i pretty much with full confidence knew i was gonna win any race i entered And when you have that, you just, you don't second guess things. You don't second guess your tire choice. You don't second guess your car changes. You don't second guess your engine tune. And as that builds, you just build confidence when you're like unsure of things. And, you know, you're like, man, last time out, I made the wrong tire choice for the main. Like this time I really need to make the right tire choice. So then you start second guessing yourself. Same thing with car setups. Um, you know, when you are making some of the choices that aren't what you need to be making, it's difficult to have that confidence to just start making the right choices. And like where he's at, he's so confident he can make the wrong choice and he doesn't even realize it. And, you know, that's that's probably just where he's at right now. And he, he's beatable. Everyone's always beatable. Mm-hmm. But and same thing. I, I, I like that guy a lot. We're good friends. Um, no problem with him at all. Uh, he's a good, clean racer. I mean, we had a sick freaking battle at the start of Truggy. Oh, it was and, you, was great. Suntag, yeah. Suntag, Mike Suntag's pit. I I think personally is what won that Truggy race for for um. Dude, that was so <laughs> I, fast. I screwed up. He pitted like two laps later, and I kind of bobbled. Like my pit was good. My crew did a good job. I screwed up, and that's kind of how he passed okay. the pitting, but. I mean, Mike does a great job. Too. Oh, it was flash. But, it was uh, my, fast. my crew was awesome. Um, you know, but I had some good things like that Q2 of truck. When I TQ'd, 
Dakota had a higher percentage than me. And I always look at laptop, I always look at race percentages. And when Dakota gets 99%, he normally never loses. Mm-hmm. He normally has a lower percentage. Like a lot of his TQs are with 97, 98%. And I actually TQ'd over him with a lower percentage, which was a really good confidence booster for me because like I had legit speed over him, which doesn't mm-hmm. normally happen. Um, you know, didn't happen in the main, but you know, same thing. I, uh, I had a couple things that kind of messed me up in the main that, you know, I got in my notes and I'm going to not have that stuff next time. And, um, I know I, I still have the skill to, to do what I want to do. And it's just, it's just putting all the pieces together. Yeah. E-buggy was good too. I, I did not see what happened in the end of a one, but somebody said you got taken out right at the end there. Yeah, really unfortunate move after out coming out of the moguls. Yeah, just there was a big line of cars, and yeah, the car behind me wanted to make a pass where you can't pass, and kind of just drove us both off the track. And then when I came back into the track, I got hit again, and then something happened after that, and like all of them crashed coming on the straightaway. And I thought I was going to pass all of them, but one car must have crashed like right at the loop or something, and. It had to be a super tight finish, but yeah, that was a bummer because I would have got fourth that run. Like I had that position. I deserved it. I didn't go wide. I didn't do anything. I just got kind of just ran off the track for no reason, um, which took me off of the podium, which, you know, I would have been really happy to finish, uh, you know, fourth or fifth in e-buggy and same thing that a two, like I was right with Lutz and I was feeling really, really good. And I was just a little antsy trying to pass him. And um, ended up crashing, just kind of trying to be too close to him in a spot that I didn't need to be that close to him in. And then at the end, you know, he had a big, a decent gap. And sometimes you just lose that motivation a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm just not going to catch him. And two laps ago, I had the dumbest crash that I shouldn't have had. And then sure enough, his last lap, he crashed. And it's like, if I didn't crash, on my second to last lap, I would have passed him after his mistake. And that's, you know, you just can never like give up mentally in racing. And I kind of did that in a two. And cause I knew if I finished fifth, I was going to be off the podium and I was just a little bit bummed with that. And um, so, yeah, I, I let that podium slip, slip away, which was unfortunate. It was also 12 o'clock at night. Uh, it's, it was yeah, pretty late. At least. <laughs> yeah. And Lutz actually had a very good sick. He he had a very good SIC uh, third yeah. in Nitro Buggy. And I think he podium, no, fourth, fourth in, in Truggy. In E-Buggy. No, yeah. fourth in E-Buggy, yeah. Okay. I, I think people don't understand, like, that mid-pack, like, that fourth to tenth or even twelfth now, it's rough man it's hard to get out of that like once you get in that yeah, mid-pack really race rough. it is so it's because everybody is just good, trying to go and they're trying to yeah. do the same thing that you're trying to do get in front and it's just so hard to maneuver through that that mid-pack range because those guys are fast you know yeah. and they're not gonna let yeah. you by easily so it's very difficult I, it, it, it's so that it you, you either have to get out in that you front. You can get pack. shuffled back so easily in yes. a track like that where there wasn't much crashing. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of happening at, in Nitro Buggy. I just got, you know, not taken out or anything like that, but just, you know, one person crashes, you 
go like around a car to miss it. And then like someone goes inside and then you get in the dust and then someone else gets in the dust and then you tangle. And then it's like, you just get shuffled back and there's just nothing that you can really do. Um, you know, up up front, there's just a little bit, I I wouldn't even say like respect, but just like when you're in the top three, like, you know, you don't want to get shuffled back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, Dakota or Mayfield, those guys, like they're not going to do something silly. And like, same with me, like, I'm not going to do something silly with them that could possibly shuffle me back. So those top group is just able to kind of get away in the, that mid pack. You're just out there in a war zone and it doesn't really do anybody any good. Yeah. And who was, who impressed you uh, that probably wasn't on your radar prior to this? I'd say I was most impressed with Brandon Rose, probably. I would agree uh, he with looked, you. He looked really good with his new cars. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like Brandon a lot. And we worked together with the tires. And we actually were the only two that really, like, stuck with the compound and the tread kind of together the whole time. And so I enjoyed working with him on the tire side. And he, he's a great driver. And I thought, like, I don't even know if he even drove his e-buggy or something like before he even got there (laughs) and uh you know he had very minimal time on his car so i thought he had a really good event yeah i would i would i think he had a great i think lee setzer had a great event too yeah Uh, yeah he very good event very good event all right um i think uh i wanted to uh finish i know you gotta go you got much time but i i think how would you, JQ, you can, you can answer this. Or if you had any questions from SIC, you can chime in now because I'm going to get off of SIC. Did you have any, Joseph? No, not really. Okay. I wanted to talk about um, your transition to the Mayako. I thought it was well-received. I, you saw a lot of kits. You, you've, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking to me that, you know, that know you. I, I think it's going to be good. Uh, how are you going to, you know, you're involved in the invisible speed stuff as well. So you're going to have a lot of stuff going on here. All, all positive stuff, in my opinion. How do you feel your reception? I know, I know there was a lot of people that were like, what? Like, you know, couldn't believe that she was working with JQ. That was funny. Um, that was funny to read the comments, but how has the reception been in general for your Mayako? And I mean, pretty good. I mean, you saw a lot of kids. I, I would say, honestly, the reception has been better than what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't sure how people were going to take it. Like if it was going to be kind of like negative, um, you know, you're always going to have some people that are going to question what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm not going to call any of it haters or anything. You do have your haters. Like I have my group of haters and they're, you know, mm-hmm. those people are always loud. And so they seem like maybe sometimes it's a lot of people, but you know, one or two people that much. can be, you know, I, I really didn't I see, didn't see much. that much. I, I expected to see a little bit more just to be completely honest. Um, Honestly, I saw a lot less than I expected. I think that uh, reception was a lot more positive than what I expected. Yes. Yeah. I, the, the reception has been really good and, just as far as like people really wanting to join in and be a part of like what I have going on. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in my JTP stuff and just the amount of people that like have reached out, like, man, I want to drive a Mako car. Like I want to run JTP stuff. I want to support you with hot race tires. 
all that stuff has been really, really encouraging and has been quite a bit more than I expected, like early on, you know, I expected that stuff, especially like for next year, like for Mm -hmm. 2024 to see like a whole year go by. But even just before anyone even saw me drive a car to be like, dude, I want to join in on you. This looks awesome. This all sounds awesome. Like, can I be a part of it? That part has been really encouraging. Awesome. Awesome. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we got, I know you got TNR coming up next and then I'll see you guys all at DNC, but we got your teammates uh, coming on to talk to us. Well, you know, this title of this podcast is three world champions, a village idiot and lefty. So we have to have three world champions on. Uh, did you, did you want to reiterate anything before we move on to that part of the, the podcast or JQ, did you have any questions for Jared? Uh, before we bring in Robert and David? Uh, no, we can move on. How about you, Jared? You all right with that? How's your wife taking this? She's going to be busy now, real busy. Yeah, uh, this holiday season has been really tough on our family, actually. Um, you know, just the high stress with me and just the the workload. I was doing those techno kits and things and, um, you know, really just for some extra money, just because I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. kind of what was going to happen with all of this. And, and it was, it was unfortunate just to have so much change happen during, you know, kind of mm-hmm. that supposedly off time where just, I've been working a lot too much, uh, a little bit to where the family's been sacrificed some and, um, but Megan, she's great. She understands, uh, the kids it's been harder with, um, you know, it, there's been times recently where <laughs> both my boys have told me like they hate my job and they wish I stopped racing RC and why do I work so much and why do I have to keep leaving? And that, that stuff's difficult um, mm-hmm. to handle. And, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, not everyone deals with with racing and not everyone, you know, un- understands um, just kind of in this whole thing, like, uh, even just with Mayako and with, with Joseph and with hot race. And, you know, like if they want me to do something right away, like sometimes I can't, I, I can't just do it, uh, mm-hmm. instantly. Um, you know, like I homeschool my kids and, um, you know, my wife, she works three days a week and yeah. I have my website and we have like all these things going on. So that's been really difficult to just balance. And, um, you know, I, I haven't ridden my mountain bike in almost two months, which has not been that healthy for me. Um, and just, you know, staying up real late and things. So it's been a difficult time right now, just trying to balance everything, but I I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to work as hard as I can. And, um, you know, there's definitely going to be some, some learning curves and growing pains along the way, but, uh, couldn't be happier to be joining with David and Robert. I like those guys both a lot. I respect those guys a whole lot. We're good friends. We've known each other for a very long time. And um, I'm excited for this opportunity. A lot of things had to line up for all this to happen. And I feel like I feel like it was really kind of meant, meant to happen the way that it did and just... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like it's the right thing to do. And I'm it, the timing was just too good to be just like random coincidence. So 
I'm pretty happy about it. Sweet, man. I'm excited to see you there, and I'm excited to see you excited. And even your JQ's there staring into space. He's excited, too. That's his excited face. And, uh, yeah. I'm not also, going to, I'm going to uh, give you a tip. When you deal with JQ, write down every compliment that he gives you, because it's not going to be many, and write down the dates and time. Because you yeah, got I've already you know, I've already learned that a little bit. So. I have five. I have five. Uh, I have okay. five uh, compliments from JQ and five years of working with him, one per year. So I don't want to be too easy. No. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> let's um, let's get your teammates in here. Let's get the super team in here and have a chat with them. Uh, thank you for being uh, honest about SIC and all that stuff, Jared. And always, you've always been honest when you come on these podcasts. And um, we look forward to seeing what you do this year. But let's bring in your teammates right now. So as the title of this podcast says, we're here with three world champions, a village idiot and lefty. So introducing our three world champions. If you don't know who they are, they are Jared Teebs Tebow, David the Viking, David the Viking Ronafalk, and Bob over there. Robert Maddie, our good friend who I got to be really close with, and he got the new nickname. He actually got quite a few nicknames in South America, but Bob is the one that I like the most. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank you for your time. Obviously, Jared and uh, Joseph and I were talking previous to this. Now we bring on the other two members of the Mayako team. Uh, happy 2023 to you guys. I haven't really spoken to you guys. How are you guys doing? Thank you. Yeah, doing great. Happy to be in the new year with uh, the new team and everything. Thanks for having me on. Bob, why are yeah, your eyes I'm, closed? Everything okay, man? Just, you look tired, Bob. Are you no, tired? it's okay. Just, just okay. <laughs> All right. Um, he's so, he's uh, stressed out because he ha- he's now been working with me for a month, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm more tired. <laughs> yeah, more, more than a month already. Yeah, but see, the problem is you don't have him physically there where you can like just say something to him, you know, like he was in in South America. All right, guys. Yeah. So no one expected this. We have, I, I guess, probably the super team, one of the best teams assembled in a long time in RC. Uh, you know, obviously, we know David's pedigree, we know Jared's pedigree, and and Robert's pedigree when it comes to racing and world championships. But all of you guys have multiple wins. You're all world champions. Uh, Jared, you're a world champion in 10 scale multiple times. Um, and David and Robert are eight scale world champions. So uh, when this, I guess no one expected this. How did this, how did this happen? I guess we have to start off with you, JQ. How did all this happen? And um, yeah, explain it. Like, did you think this would happen, JQ? And me? No, I didn't. Uh, everything happened sooner than sort of planned. Mm-hmm. So when we started Mayako, the idea was that the first year we just sort of figure out the car, basically, and try to get members and sales. But then because Ronnie Falk was leaving HB, we had to sign him, basically, if we wanted to be able to sign him. So we did that one year earlier than expected. And then the first year was good, and we thought that we have the potential to grow, but we need to add someone to be able to do that. So then Robert was available and he is the kind of person and also in, in that stage of his career where he's not only looking for a driving deal, he's also looking to work in the industry and, and uh, 
that's what Mayako needed. Mayako needed a sort of link between the factory and the customers, someone to take on that role. So then we were able to sign Robert. And then T-Bar was more of a sort of last minute thing, not really something that, um, I mean, yes, we wanted someone in America, but we didn't think it was going to be possible uh, just because it was too big of a risk. But yeah, then we figured it, figured out the deal right at the end of the year. And now we have Tebow too. So, I mean, if I would say that Ronefalk was a surprise to me that we were able to pull that off last year. And then Robert was also, even though it was more planned, it was still a bit surprising. And I haven't really come to terms with the fact that we also have Tebow now. <laughs> so I think maybe yeah. after DNC, then it will sink in. <laughs> yeah, I remember, obviously, I knew this was happening when we were in South America. And I just remember you saying, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, constantly. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, well, it's happening. So let's do it. Uh, David, long time. You haven't been on her for a while. Um, I think prior to the Worlds, I haven't had you on her uh, to talk about it. But you were the first one to join Mayako. Obviously, that was about over a year ago. Um, we did it on the podcast. Uh, I guess the similar question is, why did you join? What did you expect? And how has it worked out for you? Well, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, just the right timing. Happened to be that I was going to leave HP. Um, basically, because Adrian and Oscar was starting this new brand and, you know, everything, uh, obviously he's my mechanic and also, you know, a mentor for me since a very, very long time. And I wanted to be part of that. So, um, then the, um, I mean, the only really, uh, solution was to leave HP, uh, because otherwise there would be a conflict there. So, um, you know, at the same time, Mayako was kind of establishing themselves and, um, you know, I got the opportunity to have a meeting with JQ at the Bagelan race in Spain. Um, he kind of, you know, gave the, um, the whole idea of the project or the, so I could get a better view of what it was, uh, as it's pretty, you know, different from anything else out there, I would say, um, something I was excited of. I've always had, uh, you know, respect for JQ for what he's, you know, done in the, uh, industry, um, you know, coming from basically nothing and designing his own car and actually have it on the market is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to be close to an engineer that, um, you know, have the passion and, uh, obviously spends, uh, puts a lot of effort into, um, you know, designing the best possible car for us to drive. And, uh, um, as JQ lives in Finland, uh, we both speak, uh, or he speaks Swedish. Um, it's, it's very easy to communicate. So, uh, it was a, you know, just a good match. And I felt that, um, I wanted to go for something uh, new like this instead of going to uh, a different brand where there might be, you know, more uh, drivers already as well. So um, obviously I didn't expect uh, the wrestles we got in year one, but, um, you know, we put in a lot of effort there in the USA on the first uh, um, race of the year at the DNC. Uh, we spent five weeks prior to that event just testing and going through everything. So I would, you know... Um, be, uh, I mean, be pretty comfortable uh, already going into DNC. So we're able to win the e-buggy class um, at that event. And um, we kept testing and, and working 
on uh, you know uh, the car for the Euros and, and later on the Worlds as well. Uh, we're able to find something really good at the Euro warm-up, I would say. So coming to the European Championship uh, last year, we basically had a very good you know, view of, of uh, the setup we were going to use. And uh, the car just worked really well from the start. And we didn't actually change much at all from practice to the final. So that was very, you know, good for me because I could focus on my driving and everything and was able to put one of my best drives, I think, in, into the, you know, A main there. Um, basically didn't do any big mistake. I had a little bit of a roll, uh, but didn't lose much. So we are able to win the European Championship for a third time in the Nitro class. So that was... Uh, Obviously, nothing that I expected, you know, going into year one with a new uh, brand and new car and new everything uh, like this. But uh, like I said, a lot of uh, dedication from, you know, everyone in the uh, in the team uh, with Joseph, of course, uh, getting us the stuff that we uh, asked for and, and tested as well together. And then uh, also with Adrian uh, putting a good, good effort on the uh, engine side of things. So... Really happy about that. We're close to get the world title as well, but um, uh, considering where we were in the semifinal, I'm really happy being second um, uh, in the end of the main there. Um, I felt like I had it with 10 minutes to go, but made a mistake coming up the straight that kind of uh, you know uh, cost me five, six seconds, and that was enough for uh, Davide to be able to kind of keep the car on the wheels for the last couple of minutes and bring the uh, his second title home. So... That was a bummer, but you know, all, overall, I'm really, really pleased uh, over my first year here, and uh, it's going to be an exciting future with these two guys in the team as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm rarely speechless, but I was speechless in that one-hour main, and I think I had to go sit down for about ten minutes after that. It was, it was heartbreaking. You also uh, did well in RCGP. You drove very well. I mean, I remember. I think one thing that sticks out in my brain was you, you didn't have a great race at in Italy, right? You did, at Gusago, you didn't have a great race. Ampus was really good. And, you know, uh, JCC and Ongaro were just really fast there. I remember he was washing your tires and I went, hey, are you good? And he looked at me and smiled. Hey, I didn't win a race the first year when I joined HB. And then I won the Worlds. I'm not worried. And I was just like, man, this guy's got confidence. Um, so that in turn gave me confidence. Uh, but also what I think people don't understand is you've also been working. One thing I think all three of you guys share in, in, in common is you're also working uh, with your own shop, the DR race shop, got your track in the back. You've grown the brand there in Sweden. I met, I remember there were guys that traveled from Sweden. We had to stay in the same hotel. They came to watch you race and whatnot and watch the worlds. And I was talking to them and it seems like you got a very good thing going there in Sweden. I know the market's probably not as big as Spain, America, and stuff, but it, it looks like you got something going there. It's a good bit of drivers. I saw from the video and pictures that JQ was there. So you're also busy selling parts, running a shop, doing all that stuff as well. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, help the, the brand to grow. Um, obviously, um, time is limited being, you know, uh, on the road a lot, traveling uh, to all these races, but I'm doing my best to to keep it up, and uh, and I'm you know really happy to see that many guys uh, in this area joining already uh, last year. Didn't expect that. I think at the nationals we were close to, I think we were close to between fifteen and twenty cars. Uh, that was mm -hmm. out of like 40, 45 cars, so <laughs> that wasn't bad at all. Um, obviously, have a good following 
here. Um, and, um, you know, uh, the market is not big, as you said, but uh, yeah, trying trying the best to keep the, the brand growing. And I think that we have something good going on. So um, I'm excited to see many more people join now as, as these two guys are here as well. Yes, yes. Um, very exciting times. I guess we'll see you again at uh, the next race will be DNC, correct? Yeah, that, okay. I, I would be doing the Euro Touring Series next week, uh, Touring mm-hmm. Car, and then uh, two weeks later I fly out to US for uh, a week of practice, or a couple of days of practice before the DNC starts. Okay, and I know the I know the world's asking, uh, and you will be at the ten scale worlds, correct? That's the plan as of right mm-hmm. now. Um, I don't know with what cars or anything, but uh, yeah, I, the plan is to go. Uh, we'll see. I'll probably just run whatever car. Um, we we decide to go with basically sweet sweet thank you um let's let's go over to my good buddy bob who was second on on the line here robert you're muted let me unmute you yeah 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 i did what's up robert now you look tired no i feel okay man okay. i look tired i look more tired last week with chinese and and, and jk like five hours a day or four hours a day so now it's okay all right uh so this was no surprise to me. I mean, I always figured that you and JQ would be working together at some point. Uh, at, did you expect it to be so soon? And with Mayako, um, I don't know. Since Mayako started, I really was interested about the the brand and how they approach to the RC people. Like, I think it's a completely different way um, of RC of RC brand. I would say so. That was something I really liked so much, but I had a Mugen contract also on that time, so it was too difficult, to be honest. And Yeah, it's more... I mean, the car, for sure, is proven that it goes... Uh, it's fast, and the car can win anything, as, as David uh, did last year, last year or so in so many races. But I think the most important is about uh, how Mayako gets to people, so I, how people can directly talk to to all of us or just uh, to have meetings like every week and just to have any help from any of us, not not only um, we four, only, also all other staff or service centers from, from Mayako that are there to help people. So I think all these things together uh, interested me so much. And then for sure, I mean, I know uh, Joseph since like 20 years ago now, <laughs> so it's a long time. And yeah, I, I always said I, I always liked him. It's something I always said when I was driving any other brand, so it's not uh, something that I I was worried to say. Um, but yes, I mean, I was quite comfortable about... Um, knowing that I will be Mayako, then at some point I was like, oh, may, maybe I will not join. I don't know what happened exactly, but it was like close to to not to happen. And then, yeah, it came back again. And then um, I'm here just, as Joseph said, it's ending my career now. I I want still a little bit, a couple of years more, something like that, just to mm-hmm. try to, to beat David and Jared on some point (laughs) (laughs) that's good we need a little bit of competition there yeah but yeah the most important is about the role i'm doing i'm enjoying so much even if 
I'm not sleeping 100% and my girlfriend is a little bit angry sometimes that I work too much. But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I like a lot what I'm doing now. I think the stuff behind my echo wheel for um, Scott uh, Bowman and and all these guys are, are working awesome. And I think we have everything to to achieve our goals. And to be honest, I think Mayako will be one of the most popular brands uh, soon on the RC. So I think we are on a good point. Yeah. Also, I think after a month or three weeks with us on the South America tour, maybe after the first couple of days, you were second, second guessing yourself, but it, it kind of worked out. I, I witnessed your work ethic right there myself. So I, you know, if you wasn't, you know, you're like, let's go to the track. You like, like I was watching you enjoy being at the track. Like this is, you know, yes, you have to be on your phone and doing all this type of stuff. But I generally said, Oh, like this guy enjoys, still enjoys racing his RC car. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy a lot to be honest. I mean, I enjoy driving as since first day mainly. So it's not that I, I lost something or whatever. I just enjoying so much. I've been, Last week with Adrian, two days uh, driving and so on. And some of of the fuel tanks I made, it was like just for fun, just to drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was many time ago that I didn't do this. I was just making fuel tanks to test something and just to improve something or I don't know, whatever I, we need to do and so on. But this time I was like, I would say even five or six fuel tanks, like just enjoying driving. I said like, oh, I like that. So yeah, it's like, I mean, then racing, you know, it's complicated and anything can happen for sure. We are like 10 or 15 guys that if you have everything on point, you will be able to win. And if not, you will lose that 10th that maybe you will not be able to win. But at least... If you start the the race enjoying driving and you're happy with it and the package and everything works and you have Joseph behind like helping and the guy who really knows about the car and so on, I think it's a good point for all of us. So I think we have to enjoy that moment. And I'm sure we will do it. Looking forward to start DNC. Yes. Also, what, what, what immediate effect in South America if you come in on board? You uh, you're going off to Montpellier this weekend for the warm up, but is that that is in South America? Then you come back, then you off to Uruguay next weekend yes. yeah. to Tico Tico, which is reopened, which yes. would be great. Yeah. Uh, I I see all the Instagram like every country we went to, you know, you had an effect with the the Mayaco movement down there, obviously because you're Spanish speaking. I we, I knew that was going to happen. There's a market down there. We need to pay some attention to them. I love South America. I had a blast. Uh, are you seeing it in Spain as well? Yeah, but maybe Spanish guys are, they are a little bit more afraid about the chains and so on. So they are, some of them, they are waiting the car just from hands from another guys, not from us. I mean, they think that we can win whatever race with any brand of the, mm-hmm, of the market, mm-hmm. which is not true at all. I mean, if if the car is lacking something, for sure you will not win. So it has to to... To have a platform that that can can win and it's easy to drive, but for sure at the beginning they were like I mean some of people change for sure, but now it's just more popular than before like mm-hmm. because that people are driving around and they said like oh that guy was crashing like 
10 times in the main and now he crashed one time. Hmm. So, like, you know, they kind of stuff that they're realizing now that maybe they need to test the car and so on. I got many requests about even to your way, like, oh, please, can you take four or five cars on your luggage and sell them to us? I said, like, man, we don't have even stock now. So it just, just wait, we will do it. So, yeah, I really didn't expect uh, so that much expe- expectation in South America. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you saw also with me, like, we arrived to Peru and directly yeah, yeah. half of Peru is already with Mayako and many other uh, South American countries. And the best thing is, like, any of them, like, or even service centers around the world, they take the car and they are super happy with the car. So it's not like, uh, oh, I'm the car and I'm having problems or my car is fishing or something like that. All of them are like, oh, this car is so easy to drive. It's just super comfortable. I like so much the car. So it's something good. Good, good. Well, you have fun in Uruguay too. And um, then your first big race is Montpellier. Very hard race. You've won it before. Yeah. What's your thoughts going into that? Uh, I don't really know. To be honest, I feel super comfortable with the car. Mm -hmm. And... Since my lap times and my home track and comparing other drivers I've been close uh, during these days and so on, I think I can be a little bit more strong than last year. But I want to see myself in a really big competition, like with all pressure and everything on, on me. We'll have the warm-up now, which is kind of test because it's not really a race. I mean, they, we will not be, we'll not have even trophies. So it's like more kind mm-hmm. of testing. But Kanas will be there, Ongar will be there, and so many other uh, top guys will will attend the race. So I think we'll be good. And then we go to Tico Tico, as you said, a uh, completely different track, but it will be good for me also to learn more about the, about the, car, the car. And then I come back and we go right after Montpellier GP and then... Channel Island, DNC, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, all this stuff. So. Busy, busy time for all of you, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I see Alex done well with it. He won at cash. Is he coming to Uruguay as well? Who? Alex Lim. I don't know. I was talking with him today because I sent him the Brazilian setup we, we made in Junjai. Mm-hmm. But I didn't ask. I know the Pink Devil is going. And Who? many, the Pink Devil. Oh, Nico Bragante, <laughs> yeah. JQ's mate. Yeah, so, yeah, many other people. Like, Tico Tico guy called me today, super happy, like, oh, man, we are many people. And so he was, it was good. good. It will be That's one good. week. It will not be almost one Three month weeks. like South America. But, but, yeah, it will be one week. Which good is, food and good but, beef in Uruguay, too. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So, JQ, there's here's something for you, being as you have. So, let, let let's not, we have three of the top, like the last top la- three of the top three of the best competitors in the last 20 years of RC right here. Right. Pretty much you, in any situation with, you know, David, I mean, you're the younger one, but these guys are, I think Robert and Tebow are about the same age, but you got three world championships. You got three alphas right here, right? Three alphas. How are you going to, that all want to win. And you have you JQ that I don't know what your plan is her, you know, to retire, to not race. I don't know. You know, all the keyboard warriors out there busy 
seeing if you're going to crash and if this is going to crash and burn. What's your thoughts on all of this? How are you going to manage all of this? You can barely manage your, yourself. How are you going to manage three alphas? That's why I wanted to have this podcast. Thank you very much. So it is true. I find it hard to even manage myself. And now we have these three guys. So I thought that we would have this podcast and hash it out right here. So now we are going to figure out how to actually do it. That's an idea. Do I have to put my cowboy hat on? Maybe. So no, I don't have earphones. Permission. Every everyone has permission to speak freely. This is the best time to do so. And Lefty can be moderator if we get stuck. All right. So but I think we should anyway, do it in yes. rotation. We should go from you, Jared, David, Robert. Uh, so we'll yeah, we can. Or then if yeah, if everyone doesn't have some comment on something, then we just go to the next one. But anyway, okay. so I think I can lay out the sort of problem or not really a problem but still the issue at hand it's a bit like the world cup was just now and then youtube was recommending all kinds of videos about football and i watched some and there were some interesting ones about some teams when they had basically all the stars you know neymar and messi and this guy and that guy and when you look at it on paper it's amazing like oh my god this they have everyone but then they didn't perform as well. And I would say that that has a lot to do with ego. Uh, because when you have a team that has three stars, three people who all think that they are number one, when they have to play as a team, that's when it gets difficult. When you have a team where there's one star and maybe someone who is clearly a bit below that or in a different role, maybe a third guy in a different role, where everyone sort of ha- finds their natural place, often those teams play better together because no one really feels that same sort of uh, threat level from others. They don't feel threatened, so they are more open. You know, they share the ball, they pass the ball. And that's the first topic for today. So if we are going to make this work, we have to work together. I strongly believe that. Um, and I can I can explain some reasons for that, but maybe I could uh, get your comments on, on this subject uh, first. But wh- what I mean by working together is that when we go racing, for example, we share information with each other regarding, it, regarding car setup, ideas that we we could change on the car to improve the performance, tire choice, all of these kind of things. So, yeah, why don't you give your comments on this? You have in the past also raced on teams with many top drivers. So what has your experience been and what do you, what sort of thoughts do you have now for Mayaka? That's to me. Um, <clears throat> I would say as far as me being teamed up with David and Robert on just a personal level. uh, I feel like when you're the top, top star, you have a lot of pressure. Like if techno was going to win a race, I had to be the person to win that race. So now uh, I feel like the pressure is a little bit less. Um, You know, David's a world-class driver. Robert's a world-class driver. If I have a little bit of an off day, Mayako still has a chance to win. So that pressure is not all on me. 
Um, and you know, previous teams when you're the top dog, you're not really able to have an off day. And sometimes that pressure is just really, really tough. You know, obviously you don't want to have an off day, but, uh, and, and this situation is different. If, if me and Robert were 25 and we were still like really looking to prove things, I think it would be a little bit of a different situation. You know, um, I'm going to be 36 years old soon. I've won plenty of races. I don't feel like I have to prove anything to anybody. I still feel like I'm a really uh, good driver. I feel like there's times now where I'm driving better than I ever have during my career. Um, but I'm not in like a must win situation when previous there was times where I felt like if I lost my life was going to end or my career was going to end or something like that. And now just being around so much, I know that that's not like reality. And so that pressure is just not really there anymore. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I feel like we're going to work great together as a team sharing information, you know. I like it when David wins. I like it when Robert wins. I'm not going to be upset if those guys beat me. You know, obviously you want to be the top person on your team, but it's not, you know, I think kind of the friendship that us three have and kind of where we are in our career. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not going to take David out on the last lap to beat him. That's just not reality. And, um, you know, same thing with Robert. So I, you know, I, I don't, think there's going to be any issues with that um that's kind of my take on all that sweet sweet uh and also kind of like robert was saying you guys are kind of in that transition period of your your career where you still have this speed but you're looking at the the future you know what you want to do in the long term and stay in the industry all right i i don't know should we go to robert next and then let the young the young one answer let's go to robert (laughs) i i think something similar as jared i mean like to be honest, uh, from my from my career, I never got a really big pressure from from my team or from any others. Like I got so much pressure on myself than than any other. So I never care about uh, my sponsors or whoever about about if I have to win or not. Because if if I didn't win, I was so much angry with myself that for sure anyone would be more angry than myself. So it was something, uh, this kind of, of thing for sure. I mean, for sure now it's something similar because when you are coming to a race, for sure you, you want to win and you race to win right now. And especially that couple of years more and so on, I just really uh, looking forward to start fighting for the, for the win and be there and trying to to get top top positions at any race, but for sure on on this case we are three top guys. So at any of the of the top level races, we have like three shots. So for sure, any of us uh, should make it. That's for sure. <laughs> so we need we need to make it happen. So if if I don't win, but uh Jared or David wins it will be good also uh for me so it's not something that I will not be happy or I will argue or argue with whatever of whatever similar it's like more than more about I would like to 
fight for the, I don't know, let's say European title with uh, David instead of other ones. Or I would like to to fight for the win at DNC with Jared and David together. So, I mean, it would be like a dream if, okay, we, we fight for the win all three together. It would be a win, a, a dream. I mean, I could even finish third. I, I, I have no problem about it. If, if we are all top three, I mean, for sure, I'm in a in a position now. I'm uh, 35 from last week, so I'm in the position that it's like maybe from seven or eight years ago, people start to say to me, "Oh, when you will stop racing? When you will stop racing?" and all this shit. So it's just I don't care at all. So I prefer David or Jared to win, and not me. So I I would say like, okay, I'm sixth or whatever or seventh, but some of of uh, day two win. So I said like, oh, you see, Mayako is fast. Yeah, but you don't. Yeah, I'm not fast, no worry. I have to stop, no worries. But Mayako is so fast. So, I mean, that's that's the point I'm right now. For sure, when I switch on the race mode, I will be like angry if I don't go fast and all these kind of things I know already. But for sure, I would take Mayako as first. So the my main goal will be Okay, we have a Mayak on top. Mm-hmm. If so, it will be like, okay, we are good. So then I have to improve and blah blah blah. So the time we are not on top, any of us three, then we'll have a problem. Then it will be big problem. So then we will have to to have the meetings and all necessary to to go ahead together and just to 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 work as a team. I mean, that's one of the first uh, topics I. I told to Joseph, like, okay, I like Mayako, I like everything. But my first thing is, is David able to work with me, like to work as a team, to work together? Because maybe he will be faster in all races, but maybe I can be faster in some of them races. So, I mean, if I help him or if he helps me or Jared in this case, because he was not Mayak on that time, so that's why I say David, but any of them like can help the other ones. So mm-hmm. that's what I said. If we fight all three together to get the win, it's so much better than if not only one fight to get the win. So I think we are in a good position. I don't know. We will see. Okay. All right. Thank you, Bob. Viking, okay. that's on YouTube. You are you you have you took this brand on your back about a year ago, over a year ago, carried it for the last year. Does this alleviate some of the that stress? I First definitely all, can. You know. take Tebow out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to take any one of these two guys out. I'll focus on taking some <laughs> some of the other guys out instead, if that if that <laughs> needs to be done. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I can definitely. Uh, you know, confirm the the feeling that Jared spoke about just earlier, being like one top guy on the team. I felt like last year, uh, obviously, I had immense pressure on me to show that, you know, the car and everything was good. Um, luckily, already, you know, after that um, couple of weeks in US and then also later on that spring uh, before the Euros, I felt really good with the car. So I knew that the car wasn't going to be the issue. Now it was just, you know, about making sure nothing fell apart during the races and uh, just tried to drive as good as I could. But I definitely felt pressure to to show the potential of, of the car. 
And also, like Robert said, many people probably said that, you know, I would be able to pick up any car and, and uh, you know, pose these wrestles. But that is not true either. I think uh, you need a good program. You need to have the car uh, set up the way uh, that makes you comfortable driving at this level because there is so, so much talent, talent right now, uh, so many fast guys, and, and uh, there's really no room for... Uh, you know, having the setup a little bit off because then there's going to be someone that is quicker. So, um, yeah, definitely felt a lot of pressure last year. But uh, with the confidence I had in the car, I knew that um, the wrestles that we achieved was possible. And uh, it just so happened to be that that day, at, on main day at the Euros, I was able to put in that drive that got me the European title. And... Um, I kind of felt like after the semifinal at the Worlds, I felt like I, um, obviously that wasn't my goal to be starting 11th. I would, you know, I wanted to be further up the grid to be able to have a shot at it. I didn't feel like I was going to have a shot at it moving into the main. We made some gamble on the tire compound, etc., that really worked out for us. And, um, you know, right after two corners exiting the pit lane there, I, I definitely felt comfortable with the car. The car was, you know, reacting the way I wanted it to. And I told Adrian over the the headset that um, uh, that I felt like it was you know it would be possible to to get up there and fight for the win uh, because we also had a good uh, fuel strategy for that race. But uh, yeah, I mean, regarding you know, um, I'm pretty. I would say uh, as I'm the younger uh, of us three, uh, I still you know I have still things to learn from these two. They've been around a little bit longer than I have even though I've been racing those guys for a very long time too now. Uh, but there's definitely things that you can pick up and learn. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, my relation, um, you know, with Jared and Robert has always been good. Uh, I think me and Robert have had great battles, tough ones for sure, but, you know, great, great battles on, on the track. Uh, me and Jared have, uh, you know, some experience uh, together in, in the Kyosho team as well. Um obviously i was really young at the time as well and and uh yeah we only did you know a couple of races every year together but always had a good time with with him and, and pillars and the guys uh, when i came over there um and uh you know i don't see uh any issue um right here as long as i come out on the top <laughs> yeah i want to touch on something that david said there but first it it was uh yeah, good that all of you basically uh, said what I was thinking too, which is, yes, you are all three capable of winning, but if we look at the big picture, then David's expected to win, and Robert and Jared can win. Yes, that's fine, but the role in Mayako is a bit different. So it's, I guess it's good that all three of you sort of agree with that setup already. But and, yeah, what I wanted to, yeah, go on. Yeah, if I can pitch in with something, it would be like, you know, I would also, you know, rather work together during the races, uh, making sure that all of us three are uh, in the top, um, you know, helping each other out with the setup, et cetera, to get there. And, you know, if everyone, if all of us are feeling good with the cars, I much rather beat those good two guys knowing that they also have, you know, good stuff then we are on the same, uh, you know, uh, playing field. And, and that would give me a better satisfaction as well if I beat those guys, knowing that their cars are also good, other than, you know, working for myself, making sure I'm feeling good and they are finishing sixth and seventh or whatever. Um, 
I would much rather have us all three on the podium, like like both other guys also said before. But yeah, that's uh, definitely one of the things uh, that I think that we'll be working really well together. Sweet. Uh, yeah, ahead, and the the one thing that um, I think gets lost a bit when uh, I think I think it's normal that people want to keep information to themselves because they feel that okay, this I can have an advantage if. I don't share with this with other people, for example. But something that David mentioned there was that the car was set up well for him. And that's key here because I know for a fact that Robert and David can't drive the same car. Uh, Jared, I don't know well enough yet to know what kind of uh, car he likes. When I say same car, I mean same setup, obviously. It's the same, same basically same parts, same Mayako, just a, a very sort of different way to approach the setup of the car. Uh, so when when a driver in a team decides, at least a team like this where we are developing a car, when a driver decides to either withhold information or not be honest and open with information, at the end it will only hurt themselves in the long term. And that's because, first of all, sharing that information may not even help the other drivers on the team because their their requirements and preferences are different. Um, but second of all, it hurts the ability of me to understand what you need. And if I don't understand what you need, it may happen that when we develop the car, the car develops in a direction which is worse for you. So. The goal of Mayako isn't to develop a car for David because he's the star driver, the youngest guy on the team, or develop a car for me, like a lot of keyboard warriors say, or for any one person. No, the goal of Mayako is to develop a car that truly is the best on the market, that can cater to anyone's needs. And we have a good situation here because we have three really good drivers with different needs. So if that one car can work for all of you, it it will be uh, much more likely also to work for all the people out there who could potentially buy and race the car. So that's also one thing to consider uh, on this topic of sharing information and being open about everything and communicating what you like, what you don't like. Uh, it will help the development of the actual car, and it will make sure that what you want uh, isn't, or what you want and what you don't want isn't forgotten in that process. Because yeah, you all need something different. Lefty, you were going to say something. Sorry, no, yeah. I was just, uh, I was also going to ask, um, also. All these guys come through, well, you have the European guys. I'm sure uh, Tebow will be very influential in the American side of things. If the car can do well on both, these, let's be honest, these are the both biggest continents and biggest markets in RC. All that, if, you know, Jared can help develop more stuff for the USA, USA style tracks and whatnot. If the car can be comfortable within, in all parameters with these guys, and then all that just passes down to the people that are going to be driving the car. It's just a plethora of information that's coming into people that will, have this car and it will be available 
to people through the Discord. So that's what makes it even better. It's nothing. You're not going to be hiding from these guys. These guys are going to be hiding from each other. And then the people that are, you know, like in the performance community, my performance community, they will reap the benefits from these guys working together as well. Yeah, because um, what I would really want to be is something that sort of has been a goal for a long time, just not possible, which I actually looked up the definition. I'm going to read it. Race engineer. Uh, race engineer is a motorsport team member who analyzes data to achieve the best performance from the vehicle and driver. And that's something that is, I mean, pretty much missing in RC. We have some man friends and some people who think they know what a role center is, but we don't really have someone who really understands the car understands the driving aspect and works closely closely with the driver um the industry is just so small you know it you need to be a bit of an idiot to you know really do that but hey here i am so that's what i would like to do so i already know david's preferences um based on the year we've had together um i could give maybe an example to you so you understand the kind of help that I am able to give you. And may, maybe then you you can appreciate the value of sort of listening, even when it makes no sense to you, maybe. Or maybe you want something different. Um, when David and Adrian first joined, basically, if I had just done what they wanted, we would have an HB now. But I, no offense now, David, what I'm about to say. Basically, I didn't want to do that because if you look at David's results in the past, he can go to a track and lap everyone. He can go to Thunder Alley and lap Ongaro. He can beat any driver in the world on a track like that. Then you can literally, two weeks later, go to a track in Europe that's high grip and Ongaro laps him. Now, to me, in those two weeks, I don't think that David's skills changed, right? There's something else going on. And to me, I understood what was going on. It had to do with the car design and the way the setup was made. So when David joined, I already had an idea. I wasn't going to allow him to make his setup the way he wanted to make it. Because typically, a driver will look at a car, and they will do the changes that worked on their previous car. And when uh, you look at what happened now, uh, last year, David basically won the Euros on arguably his worst kind of track. I mean, add, a, add some bumps on that track, and it would have been his worst. So it was high grip. Cars were flipping off the track. That's the kind of track where he would get lapped at some races, right? Uh, some races, yeah, towards the end, he would figure it out and he would be competitive in the main. But that is purely because we managed to get the car comfortable for David, but in a different way. So that end goal was the same, but the way to get there was different. And to be able to do that, basically, I have to understand what you like and what you want. And we have to talk and test together. 
and then we identify, okay, what are the problems with the way you are setting up your car now? Where is it good? Where is it bad? And then I need to figure out a different way of getting what you want. So that's what we did uh, with David. But I, I don't know if he knew that's what we were doing, but that's what we did. And I would say that for the Euros, it worked great. For the Worlds, um, not that great. Okay. Um, so the problem at the Worlds, I thought, was preparation going in wasn't as good. So we we had some new parts also, the different length rear arm, the offset, all of these things. So it sort of confused a bit. Uh, some different chassis we tried to. It confused the starting point. So then there was too much uncertainty going into the worlds. And then the way I see a race progressing is that there has to be some sort of plan. There has to be an idea. Here's where we are starting, and we want to end up somewhere. So every change that's made needs to fit that plan. If you make a random change that doesn't fit the plan, it might work. It might not. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is that all the changes need to work together so that you can progress throughout the race. I don't know if you follow me, but there are some changes you can make which just, they don't really work together with anything else. It's just a random change. And when you make those kind of changes, you are delaying progress if they don't work. And that's kind of what happened at the Worlds. So we made maybe two or three changes and they didn't work and we went back. So we were behind. And then we ended up in a situation where we had to make changes, which I think were part of the plan, going into the semifinal, you know, going into the main. And I never really want to be in that position. I want to be in a situation where after practice, you pretty much have it set. And then you make some small adjustments in qualifying. So Basically, long story short, very long story short, if we want to make the most of this opportunity, I think we all need to trust each other and also focus on our strengths. So we have to communicate openly. We have to think about our own driving and what we like from the car. We have to be open-minded enough to try different things, which we think maybe won't work, and then honestly give feedback on those. And uh, I think putting in quality time like this, then then all three of you can achieve great results uh, in the races. That's my opinion. So do you have any thoughts on that? Here if I go. can just Rotate. add something to, to what you said there about the, you know, the difference between the Euros and the Worlds. It's like going to the Euros, we knew that you know we've been at this track two, three times before, the conditions has always been the same. Like it's always been high grip. They have always practiced with this thing. The track always holds up very well. So there was no surprises coming to the Euros. At the world's warm up, you know, we had one condition of the track where it's, you know, completely blown out in the end. We stayed there. I think we stayed Monday, Tuesday after the race. And, you know, it was really difficult driving around the track without mistakes because it was so rough. Coming into the worlds, they changed the way they prepped the track, and uh, it was just really different from what we knew. As well as you said, having some new parts that we, you know, didn't have enough time on, I would say. So yeah, that was a difference there uh, going into the worlds. And 
like also like if we would have found this tire that we put for the main i think that also would have helped a lot already from the start but uh you can always you know it's always easy to be smart afterwards yeah that's that's why it's important to actually um test in different conditions on different kinds of tracks and have your basically your starting setup and your tuning window so you sort of know which things are good to change in the different conditions. That's really important because many of these big races we go to, you have very limited track time when the racing starts. So you have to know, okay, the track is changing like this, then we're going to make this change. You have to know that from testing beforehand. Yeah. Cool. Does anybody have anything to add? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, add to that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think like what Joseph was saying, the race engineer role um, is definitely missing in RC. Um, you know, like you said, just the industry is small. Um, so a lot of companies and people just don't have extra funds really to have somebody there that can actually watch the car. You know, the pit guy can try to watch the car, but you really can't see anything from pit lane as a driver. You can try to watch your car some, but it's pretty difficult. Um, you know, that's something that happened to me at SIC was just, uh, you know, unfortunately you just kind of put it in a situation to go race without, you know, a whole lot of time on the car. And, you know, I'll take that responsibility there. Um, that was, something that I wanted to do was just go race and, and learn that way, just cause I can't go test right now. And, um, you know, I was having a uncomfortable feel with the rear end that I thought I was seeing with my eyes, but then afterwards we had someone take some slow motion video of my car and it was completely opposite, um, to what I thought I was seeing while I was driving. So, you know, I think that's really, really important. Like what Joseph was saying. And honestly, for me, just joining Mayako, um, having Joseph with the knowledge that he has, I would say in my whole career, that's been a, a weak part of me. Um, I have more so relied on my driving. I think that I am one of the more skilled drivers i can read the track better than most people uh, my weak link would be understanding the setup of the car and um being able to trust changes and things like that um you know just being completely transparent I, you know that's my weakest link and i think it would be really good for me personally to have joseph study my car study my driving and me be able to, you know, really truly gain that trust when he says something and, you know, just, just get that trust. Um, you know, the first race was difficult because, you know, he wasn't there. He couldn't really see it. I'm trying to explain it, but it it's hard, um, especially when tracks are changing and you're trying to learn something, you know, it's just really difficult. And, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping the testing before DNC and just the time that we get together at DNC is going to be really, really good. And just so he can watch my driving, watch my car, I can, you know, watch David drive, watch Robert drive, watch their cars. And we can look at the setups and just kind of see, 
um, because we all do need something different and a, a change works differently for somebody, you know, that's why setup stuff is so hard. Like if you say, Oh, you know, I need more rear end support. Well, you know, you can find that a whole bunch of different ways and how David finds rear end support might not be the way I find rear end support. And so it's super tough to really just, you know, be guessing setup changes and, and things like that when you don't, you know, understand the driver and what they feel. And, um, you know, it was really interesting listening to Joseph just talk about um, when you get a new platform, you do try to change things that worked for you in the past. And that's just a tough thing as a driver because you have comfort things, you know, like there's certain setup changes that I do just for, you know, peace of mind, really. And that's a difficult thing to get out of. And I liked what he was saying. And um, that, that's a really good way to look at it. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we're able to do that with me too, where I don't kind of, you know, you don't want to drive the same car you drove before. That's pointless. You know, you change cars and you change your program to improve, not to change the sticker and drive the same crap you were driving before. Um, so I really liked what he said there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm encouraged by that. And I hope that we can, you know, really learn each other and grow. And, you know, hopefully I can have the best car I've ever raced. That would be the ultimate goal. Yeah, before Robert goes, I'd just like to say that uh, I think that the best way is always that the driver makes the final decision because racing or, well, all racing, but I think RC more so is so mental. Um, we aren't in the car. We can't physically touch, feel the car. Everything is happening through hand-eye coordination and in your head, right? So we want your head to be okay. <laughs> we don't want you to be stressing or worrying about something. So in my opinion, every time the final decision has to be the driver making the decision, right? Um, what I can do is... I can try and explain because I'm a driver too. I'm not, not the world champion, but I'm a driver too. So I can understand what the change is doing and I can feel it on the track. So I can explain what I think will happen and why it will happen. And I can go through different options, different scenarios. And then the driver can decide from those. And I'm pretty honest when I give advice like if i know i say i know if i don't know i don't know i say i don't know here are these options and maybe together we decide or the driver decides alone that's fine later on then i have more sort of stronger opinions so when i know something when when i feel that i know something then i will really push for it you know but even then i think the driver makes the last final call but I will sort of, depending on my confidence level, I will be more or less forceful in the sort of advice I give. Robert, what's your thoughts on what Joseph just said? I, I watch you guys work together in uh, South America. I watched you, 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 you like to geek out on new stuff too. I saw you looking at CAD designs and stuff like that. Uh, what's your thoughts on the race engineer role that JQ is, I would say developing. I think this, maybe this role's been somewhat around with, but just not really 
uh, not been applied like what you're doing now, JQ. It's it's being more honed and, and turned into a skill because of your setup knowledge and your driving knowledge and stuff like that. But what are your thoughts, Robert? Yeah, as I said before, like it's uh, one thing that Mayako makes the difference, I guess. Like having the the guy who designed the cars, who understand the car at all, and who can uh, help us on the setup. As he said, like my setup will be for sure different as the setup from David or or Jared, but. I'm sure that if we get a rule like something like I would say, I don't know, something like my rear roll bar is usually like 0.1 harder than David or 0.2 or whatever. So it, look, it looks like a little uh, rule to, to maintain if you got lost or something like that. So it means like if we know each other also and we, we let uh, Joseph know our uh, kind of driving and when we we feel more comfortable and so on. I think it's so much easier to go on and and be faster altogether. That's when when I I I've talked about uh, helping each other is was more about this this thing than this relation. Like no, I went to this rover or I went to this campaign or whatever, and I felt better. So it's like oh, it means that we have to go to this direction. So it will help us a little bit i mean i'm i'm more aggressive than david for example that it's uh somewhere that i that i know more and joseph explained me on the south america trip and so on so for sure we'll not really share a lot of setups but i'm sure um if we talk together and if if we all say to say to to joseph what we need and what we feel we can work each other and help each other. So I think this this role, this guy to to be there and to watch our cars and just helping with with many of the setup advices uh, he can do, he can do. It's something I would say not not really any other RC brand has right now. So it's uh, some good point from us that we have to to take and we have to to bring it to us at any race, just to to have this step forward uh, against the other ones and trying to have our cars like set up perfectly. And then it will be only, I mean, only <laughs> our job to be fast and consistent and not to crash and so on. So I think I'm, I'm quite confident of this. Uh, I mean, I for sure I didn't work as much as David with, with Joseph. But the uh, all weeks on South America and all talks we had uh, from mobile when I was testing at home and so on, it's really helpful about to 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 try to to test other things that maybe with the other brand you you shouldn't test for sure. I mean, it's different ways to to set up the car and this car, for example, is more sensible to a part that maybe on the other brands are not sensible and things like that. So having someone that says, no, do this, you will feel what you are looking for. And then you do, and you see that that's really making what you need it. It's something that helps you a lot, like to, mainly on this kind of races like USA and years and so on, that you drive between five hours, something like that. So that car, that track is quite more different than it was. And you have someone to, just help you and just 
to confirm like, okay, go ahead with this. It will be better and so on. It's also something that it's helping you on mental side that it will also help you on consistent for sure. Not on fast lab because fast lab is just you can do one or something like that, which is doesn't matter. But the consistency would be so much better with this kind of of guy uh, taking care of our cars and setup and so on. Did uh, did he just accept not to race anymore, Joseph? Are you just going to the races to help us out now, or what? Because like, he all right. So you, here's the deal: you lost, here's the... you lost against Jessica at the Euros, <laughs> and you said like, if you did lose, you yeah. won. But he was anybody drive, that gets out okay, of, of a bet, it's JQ. Now you got us three to take care of, so you don't have time to raise yourself. Yeah, so. I know. But here's the deal: so I am <laughs> gonna race forty plus or open class, and the reason is that. I to be able to do my job, I have to feel a car on the track. Really, like if I want to honestly have a good opinion, then uh, I need to do that. So I don't know if you would call that racing. I'm sorry. Like I will drive around the track, but yeah, the main focus will be to make sure that all three of you are happy. So it's you not going to be like our England where I show up and, and you're helping Pekko all the week and I have to rush and get my pick guys. <laughs> Pekko's going to run Mayako now too. We, we need to make a plan before every race. You know what, JQ? <laughs> I think you just make an excuse to figure out how to keep on racing. You're going to race open. You know you're going to get shit for that. Um, you don't open, get a crap it's like, that. unless... Yeah, but I'm not sponsored, am I? Right? It, sponsorship <laughs> is the only thing, right? <laughs> No, you're just is asking it, like everyone else. Like, yeah, you have some tires for me. Like, uh, you have some tires that I can run. Can you get me some tires? I, I will. Run? Yeah, I will uh, bring. Uh, I will bring my receipts, like Degani. Oh my gosh, I can. We, we already got yeah. drama ahead of us coming at DNC. Um, yeah. Hey, can we take a pee break, please? <laughs> you can go. We'll continue a bit because we'll talk about mistakes, and I don't want you to be here anyway for that. So. You okay. go pee. So let me just let me just write that down. One oh five. P break. No, you don't. We are gonna keep going. You go. I know, Mute but I mind. need to cut this part out. Why? Why? This is fine. All right, just go. I'm, I'm going to my. I'm going on my pee break. See you guys in a minute. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. Oh, he actually left completely. Well, anyway, good left isn't here because now I can say. I also make mistakes. Okay, we all make mistakes. <laughs> I didn't want left to hear that part. Um, that's the name of the game, right? We're all human. We all make mistakes. The way I would see it is your drivers racing around the track. Mostly, you don't make mistakes. You make good moves on the track, you win races. Sometimes you crash. Sometimes you lose a race. that You feel that you should have won. So... That's how you succeed or don't. In the future, I think that the way I would make mistakes is I give advice that didn't help you, right? If I'm good at my job, then I will mostly give you advice that helps you, right? So I just want to say that, that trust is basically consistency plus time. Consistently giving good advice over a long period of time will make you trust my ju judgment. That's how it works. But if you aren't 
open to this way of working or thinking, then that time will never come. You know, some people are like that. So I just wanted to, you know, discuss this point that no one's perfect. No one's always going to win the race, never crash. I will not always give the right advice, you know? So any thoughts on that? I left it hold, on. I'm done uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold oh on. I got back God. just in time. I heard what you just said. You will not always be right. Let me mark that down. 11th, 1.17 okay. p.m. <laughs> the 18th of January, 2023. JQ admitted he will I not always be I think you just turned right. your camera off, to be honest. Okay, but now what I was going to say is like I, I think it's important also like you know for you maybe in your design ego to accept that you know some input that we might have can actually work even if it's not right in your head. So this is also something that I think that I mean I think that you got better at it last year. Like example the wing. Like once that wing was made, how much better you know, did my car get, it got a lot better when I got, was able to get that wing on the car. So just, you know, this was just an example, but I think it's important that we, you know, keep working in this direction. Like me, Jared, Robert might have some good ideas that might not sound great in your head, but it might actually work out well on the track. Yes. And that's a perfect segue because that's actually the next topic, car development. But yeah, Robert, did you have something? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a problem about all designers. This thing, like, the first answer will be no. Then they will think on their own, like, oh, maybe let's see. Then they will then come back and they, they try, will say your idea, and yeah. then it's gone. They they try to make up a little bit, like, oh, I will do a little bit like this, and then oh, yes, guys, come on, meeting, please, meeting, come on, yeah, we will do this thing. <laughs> so I think I mean. In some way, I understand. I could understand this. Like, it's many things to 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 take. Like, okay, you get input from your drivers and so on, but you have to really think that this part will be good or not, or I mean, how to produce it and how not, and it will be good or not. How many stock we have on the old one, or, or these kind of things. That I think it's also something you have in in mind but yeah it's also funny to see like joseph saying no then maybe yes and this kind of thing so yeah, yeah you only have to feel like that is their id if it's their id it would be great so you, you have to you know announce like the id you have and they have to come back <laughs> work a week on how to you know introduce the id to us in a different way and then it will be acceptable <laughs> people always say this but I, I don't. I don't buy that. Thank God, left is muted. Jared, did you want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just add a little bit. You know, kind of to the trust thing. Um, you know, I think you're pretty accurate with that. Uh, you know, being consistent on, you know, what you're saying, and then trust does just uh, does just take a lot of time. And you know, like you were saying, we're not we're not all perfect, and so that's that is really how, you know, to really grow this whole relationship. Like, you know, if, if I know that you're going to be upset, if I crash, then that's a lot of pressure 
and that's difficult to handle. And same thing for you. Like if you know, or if you think that I'm going to be upset, if you tell me to do a setup change that didn't work, then that's going to put the pressure on you and maybe, you know, hesitate you a little bit to offer advice to me. And so, you know, we, we all have to kind of give and take and realize that we're not, you know, we're definitely not perfect. Um, and, you know, we can't get upset with each other and um, hold things like that, you know, really high. Uh, just if, you know, if there is a mistake, you know, like I need to trust that you are doing your best to give me the best advice possible for my car to be the most comfortable for me, just like, you know, my Ako and you need to trust that us drivers are doing the best we can in driving preparation, explaining what the cars are doing and things like that. You know, like I don't, you know, we don't ever go out there and try to crash or, you know, try to make a mistake. And, you know, I think that trust uh, going both ways and just being open is, is really, really important. And sometimes, sometimes that is missed at certain companies to where, you know, the driver is really held a lot responsible kind of just for everything, you know, even, even pit guys, you know, like sometimes you can have the perfect race plan. You can drive perfect. You can have the perfect tires on the perfect setup and just something happens in pit lane and maybe like the tank doesn't get full or like something silly happens and you know like those guys might mess up too and it's just like you know we all have to just realize that we're doing what we can we all have the same goals in mind and build that trust together and that's where all the true success builds from hold on for a second i agree with you uh jared have you guys ever seen that meme of kermit the frog just sipping his tea like this that's exactly how I felt when David said what he said about JQ. A lot of his good okay. ideas are actually mine. They're actually mine. I knew I you told were going to say that. I told him and he said, you're an idiot. That's so dumb. And then two weeks later, it's like, what do you think about doing this? And I'm like, that's exactly what I said to do last week. No, you didn't. You said to do this. He'll change okay. one word. One word. Look, continue, JQ. So glad that. I'm so glad okay. we're having this chat. Yeah. So anyway, I before this year, I was thinking that this will actually be the most difficult thing, a most frustrating thing for all of us. Okay. If there's going to be problems, then those problems will be because of this. And that is the car development. So David already brought it up. Robert talked about it. Uh, not Jared really yet, but the time will come. Um. The problem with car development is kind of what I explained earlier, how all of you will require or prefer something different. And basically what that means is that in the future when we de develop the car, I'll just break this to you now. None of you will be completely happy. Okay? The reason is that None of you will get all of the things that you want. I mean, even me, most likely, right? Uh, and that's simply because 
we aren't making a car which is specifically for one thing, like one surface, one kind of track, one driver, one style. We are making a car that needs to work and perform at a high level or practically almost everywhere, okay? We aren't really making a car for Nemo Raceway carpet track, okay? Forget about that. That's one track in the world, right? But on the grand scheme of things, it needs to work at DNC. It needs to work at Buggyland, Redovan, uh, pro drivers, uh, beginners, hobby drivers who race on, on the weekend. You know, it needs to be a solid platform for everyone. So that's one of the reasons that when Robert says something and I say no, or he said all designers say no first, maybe one difference between most other designers and me is that I probably have more uh, sort of power to get stuff done. Like I have more, what's the word? Uh, not responsibility, but um, authority, I would say. Like if I want to do something, I can. If I don't want, I don't. Where I think in many other companies, the designer, he doesn't decide. He has to go to someone else. So I, I have one less excuse to give to Robert when I say no. And then he's like, why? <laughs> well, this is kind of the why. So everything has to fit in with everything else going on. What are the other parts that are being developed or already in production? What's the direction of the car? You know, we can't, if Robert wants pillow balls, okay, well, we have this other thing going on, Robert. <laughs> like, can you just, no balls now, right? That's an extreme example, but the same thing can happen with everything. Like, if you all want three different kinds of wings, we are not going to make three different kinds of wings, right? So this is, I think, an area which uh, can become difficult in the future. Um, like I said, the better I understand what you need, the better the development of the car will reflect that need so the better you are at testing and communicating what you need the more likely it is that the future versions of the car will move in a direction that you are happy with so um yeah i don't know do you have any maybe we should maybe we should could talk about the actual car itself now and what you think is good what's less it's good. Where where do you feel that the car is at the moment? Maybe that's a way to sort of delve into this topic. I was just wanted to say a little something, just kind of like what you were talking about, Joseph. Uh, the car development thing is pretty difficult, I think, to make everybody happy. And there's a couple different ways. Um, you know, I'll just use two kind of brands just as an example. You can take like Kyosho, uh, Kanai would take zero influence from any driver. Um, he did, you know, everything that he wanted. You would have zero influence. So that's one side of the spectrum. And, you know, that car over the whole history of the brand, like drove pretty good. Um, but there was definitely certain times um, and I would say now as car setup is more important and 
um, car development is more important just with a faster pace, like certain tracks, you know, you really get like limited to certain track styles where like those types of cars work, especially, you know, he only drives on a certain style of track. So like the car is designed for one specific track condition. Then you go on another side of the spectrum where it's all used TLR. Um, they pretty much design the car around Fend. And Dakota likes a very odd car. And many people can't drive his car. You know, Cavalieri, wildly skilled driver, could not drive that car. Um, you know, even Mason Fuller had a lot of problems trying to drive th that car. You know, we're learning now, Mason Fuller, wildly skilled driver. So you can go one way or the other where they're developing that car around Dakota. And I've driven the TLR and like the steering is crazy feeling because he likes a very odd steering feel that most people don't like. Um, and so you can build a car too much around a pro driver to where it hurts everybody else. Um, yeah, it's great to win, but you know, if customers don't like the car, you can win every race you want and people still aren't going to buy it. Um, if the customers really do like the car, then you can not win quite as much and people are going to buy that car regardless. Um, you know, which in that aspect, you know, I would say techno, you know, their engineer and stuff like that is a pretty sportsman level driver. So they kind of cater to that side. And, you know, they have a little bit more of a difficulty trying to get the car to work for the upper skilled drivers. Um, so there's definitely a balance there for sure. So you can't just follow one style track, one style driver, you know, whether that's your pro driver or yourself as an engineer, you definitely have to mix everything. One thing that we actually have going for us, I think, is the whole membership structure because um the idea of the membership is also that the members can be a sort of part of the development so they see new parts coming they can get prototypes to test and this could actually be somewhere where we can sort of ease the tension between hey where are we going with the development of the car because if there is a strong case being made for something david needs and there is a strong case for the older generation, Jared and Robert, and maybe the customers. <laughs> maybe it's literally a situation where we do something a bit different. We have two different things, member member parts. You know, we have the solid Mayako MX-8 normal car anyone can buy, but now we are developing. So we are trying two different things here. You know, so there are these kind of options too, where if there's a strong enough case for something, then, okay, we can diverge a bit and, and uh, try something out uh, even when we can't find a sort of compromise for everyone we can you know of course we aren't going to end up with two completely different cars but you get the point that we can maybe try a bit more than some other companies sweet does anybody have anything else to add to that everybody's yeah, quiet actually, one thing Robert said that, uh, again, I'm finding excuses for the no is the first answer. So another reason, at least if I think about myself, like let's say you come with some idea, you want to do this. So 
the easiest answer is always no, right? One or I don't know, or maybe. One reason is also that I have if I might not understand what that change will do, right? So you might feel, okay, this will be better because I tried it and I loved it. Fine. That's great. That's great, Robert. <laughs> Take it easy. Go sell some cars or something. Go test test the track. I'll think about this. Because the thing is, I then have to think, okay, if we're going to make this change, why is it different? Like, how does it affect the car? In what way? In all different conditions? What will David think? What about Jared? What about the customer? I have to think about all the other things that you didn't have to think about because you just tried it and you liked it and that was enough for you. So I want I want this to be a constant progression, a constant steady improvement, not random changes, okay? And because of that, if at, if we decide to do something, I kind of need to understand what we are doing. Uh, because I don't want to make a change, not really fully comprehend it, and then realize, ah, that was actually a mistake. And if you look at many brands on the market, that's kind of what they do. And I don't want to do that. So yet another excuse for why no is the, no or maybe is the first answer. All right, JQ. Uh, but... I also think your brain is processing. You got so much stuff going on in your brain. You can't even think about it right there and then. You tell me no all the time. But then you tell me, <laughs> ask for forgiveness, not permission. So I learned that real quick. And I just yeah, went I ahead did. and done things. All right. Okay, yeah. um, hey, so we never go, really this- talked about the car, car. Maybe David can start because he has driven it the most. So, okay, let's kickstart this development here. So the good things about the Mayako... And then the things that you would like to improve first. Uh, hopefully, there's not too much sound in the background because they're driving right now. But I will, uh, I will say that the, the car uh, is definitely very easy to drive. That was my initial feel. I was struggling in the beginning to get the steering I wanted out of the car because um, what I was used to before um, had a bit more steering from the front end. Um, the Mayako was definitely easier and better. I felt more comfortable in high grip conditions where I've struggled with the, uh, with the HP uh, back in the day. So that was, you know, a big step in the right direction. I think we saw that at uh, the Euros, obviously, with the high grip. Um, but also like RCGP in England with the carpet track there. You know, all the Mayako cars were doing really well there. We had Peko, Hampus, and uh, uh, who was more? Uh, Alex. Zankatin. Zankatin. Yeah. Uh, and we all, you know, I think we all ended up on the podium at one of the rounds, at least. Um, so I was really fast in the main there. Um, so I would definitely say that in, in high grip conditions, we are really good right now. Uh, nothing, you know, has to be changed really, uh, because I feel like the car is really easy to drive, making it possible for us to push it uh, without having to worry it would do crazy things. Um, where I feel like um, I was missing a little bit last year was probably 
in medium to low grip condition on a tighter track. So I would say that um, I was missing some rotation. The car was very stable, easy to drive, but I couldn't really keep up with um, Canas or Ongaro. If we take like Italy RCGP round, for example, that track was, I would say, medium, medium low bite. It was pretty slick and the car just felt a little bit lazy. So there, especially we were trying, you know, a lot of different things, probably a lot of things that Joseph didn't like. I would probably say that that was also the low point of last year in the relationship. But, uh, you know, we worked through it and uh, we sorted things out and um, the result wasn't what we wanted at that race. Uh, I think I blew a plug as well in the start of the main there. Um, so yeah, not at all a weekend that we wanted to when we went there, uh, the event, but, uh, you know, you get stronger every time you lose. And we learned a lot that, that, um, that weekend for sure. And I think we have some good ideas and we have also, you know, there's also new parts on the car that are for sure going to help in those conditions now. So I'm just excited to get the season started here, uh, and to kind of, you know, go go to all these events and and uh, try to showcase the the car and its potential because I I do think that for the for the general guy I I really think that the car is very very good. You know, it drives safe, um, and uh, yeah, the, the rear end is not upset. Uh, it's very hooked up, and you will be able to. You know, the car has a lot of tuning options, so. If you're into that, you will be able to find a setup that I think, uh, you know, works for everyone. But I feel like the base that I have, you know, moving from track in different conditions is working well everywhere we go. And we have, you know, a good knowledge of what we need to change if we go to a track which has more grip or more bumpy or if it's a low bite track or stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely say that the rear end is very stable. Um, I have been missing a bit of steering in, in low traction to medium traction tracks, but uh, I think with a with a new rear arm and hub offset and stuff uh, we've been working on uh, towards the end of the last year is really going to help in those uh, situations. I was trying to think if you have been on a really rough track since DNC, but I couldn't remember. So just what what about the uh, so the rough track and bump handling is that you know good enough with the setup you have or is that something that you feel that still needs to be worked on yeah i mean uh, obviously dnc was early days for us and um i think my car was was working really well we had a uh, club race there a couple of weeks before the event and jared probably knows how how good my car uh, was at that that little race we had there on the Friday night. Um, it was, uh, you know, I felt really good with it. It was, uh, I was basically able to go through the bumps without, you know, the car being upset. So definitely think that the suspension is uh, working well. Um, but I'm like excited to go back to some of these tracks to see what we, you know, what we have now and, and uh, how we have improved the setup. And to see how the car handles uh, uh, this year. Okay, Robert, maybe. Oh, Robert, next. yes. 
I mean, I, I don't uh, know the car as much as David for sure, because I need a little bit more time, but I really felt the car good, like super easy to drive, that's sure. Uh, I'm coming, I would say from a completely another kind of car than David. So Mugen, it was like steering because of it rotates so much on the rear. So I came with this with this setup. So my Aco car for me is steering so much from the front end. So I mean, I feel comfortable because I have to drive less than before to to have the the good pace. Mainly, I was maybe overdriving most of time. So now I'm getting used to drive uh, easier and smoother, so, and then it's faster than than before, I guess. Um, from from my uh, driving, I I felt that I always need a little bit more of support on the rear. That's true. I'm always complaining about this to Joseph that I like I like to have a little bit more support on power. It's something I I had when I tested your car, David, in Redoban. It was like a little bit like lacking support, so I went. Of power on power, I was like a little bit off on the rear end, but yeah, mainly. I mean, for me, the car is quite really one of the best possible for a medium driver. That's sure. For me, yeah, this rear support. Maybe I have to work more on this. Maybe try to find the the right setup. When I get the rear support, then I have the steering I want. So it's like. If I have the steering I want, then I need a little bit more support. Then if I have the support, I maybe need a little bit more steering. So I have to find this this compromise. But yeah, we, we went to a catch track in Chile. It was super rough, like super edgy and difficult to drive. And I said to Joseph, oh, I just took uh, Amazonia here and I will not make even one lap. Because with the Mugen, for example, I struggled a lot on these conditions, like US conditions and so on. It was flipping so easy. But to be honest, it was so much easier to drive. Uh, flipping was so much harder. So you could drive like easier and smoother, and you were fast. So I think we're on the good point, just missing this compromise on myself to, to find the right setup, to have the steering I want with the support I want. But it's, I think it's kind of more about the a setup thing that that platform itself. But for sure, we can we can develop a little bit on this point also for the normal people that they like to just full power everywhere. So it's kind of of this style. But yeah, mainly I always felt felt super good in Peru. It was super slight car track, like it was lighting so much. And I was told that, oh, maybe Mayako in sliding conditions is not good and so on. But we tested the rear arm on the short rear arm with the three-piece hub and so on. And it was awesome on on the sliding conditions. So I think we have a a good platform on almost all conditions, I would say. How about Jared? Now you've run, you haven't run the car that much yet, but this is a good chance to get your sort of initial feeling. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I've, uh, you know, only ran the car at three different tracks so far. Um, I will say my first take on the car, um, is going to be similar to Robert. I felt like the car was just easier to drive. Um, I like to look at consistency, um, you know, with the lifetime system and everything like at every track available in the U S we can see, you know, fast lap, top three consecutive, uh, top three average, top five average, top 10, whatever. And then we have a consistency percentage. And so far I did one club race at Thornhill and then I did SIC and I've actually had the two highest, the two highest consistencies I've ever had, um, in my, you know, career since lifetime, I always look at consistency as kind of something that, you know, is just a judge that I can tell if someone's comfortable with their car or not, you know, when I'm looking for myself and for, you know, my competition, I always look at the consistency percentage and at Thornhill, I had a run that was almost 99.6. It was like a mid 99.5, which I've never even seen that high on dirt. So that was really encouraging for me. Um, and then at SIC, I had a, a upper 99.4. And for me, the consistency is really good with the car. Obviously, SIC, I was trying a lot of different things, probably too many things. I was swapping my front end back and forth a lot, which really just changed the feel of my car. Um, my car there was a lot harder to drive than I was expecting because at Omaha and at Thornhill, I thought my car was really easy to drive. So that caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting my car to be hard to drive at SIC. And so I think that got me a little frustrated maybe, and just a little confused on what was going on. And it turned out to just be something really silly. Uh, I had weight in the back of my car. I tested weight in the back of my car at Omaha and at Thornhill, both without weight, with weight. I thought the weight was a lot better. Um, it gave me like a lot more rotation, a lot more corner speed. And so that's something that you know, I, I wasn't really that familiar with putting weight. I've never really ran weight in the back of my cars with the Kyosho or the Techno. And I didn't really understand the effect that it was giving me. <clears throat> and I was really fast at SIC early in practice um, when you needed all that rotation. And so then after testing, you know, we took the weight out and it completely transformed my car. Like my car wasn't you know, super hard to drive anymore. Like I could actually turn the wheel. So we were searching for lots of different things. You know, I was trying KPI one, KPI zero. I was trying different camber links. I was trying, you know, all different kinds of stuff that, you know, really the weight was the problem the whole time. Um, another other issue was just the rear camber. I thought I was having too much camber gain. I thought my inside wheel had too much camber like exiting the corners. I had an issue exiting the corners where it just wasn't comfortable. It would want to like go straight kind of, or it would want to get loose and over rotate. And I just, I couldn't find like the right flow there. And so we just weren't really sure. And, you know, it was opposite of what I thought. 
So we adjusted the camera some and it completely fixed that issue. So, you know, for me, I, I, I don't have enough time to really say like, oh, the car does this or the car does that. My initial reaction was the car was really easy to drive, really accurate with the steering. I'm really particular with Ackerman and driving accurate with the steering wheel. If you feel my radio, my steering wheel is really soft. Um, you can't feel center and I drive light on the wheel. I don't just saw side to side, you know, I'm not banging my wheel off the stops or anything like that. I drive pretty light on the wheel. So that steering feels really important to me. And I feel like I have a really good linear steering feel with the Mayako and just seeing some of the consistent runs that I've had kind of proves that to me. And I just got to, you know, figure out a little bit more of, of what I like and kind of pick and choose kind of just like commit to the KPI that I want to run for a little bit to learn the rest of the car. Cause I think changing back and forth from KPI one and zero so much is uh, not really helping me much. Yeah. Jared sort of explaining how he drives that that's something that we could talk about next. I think the listeners would be interested in that. Uh, but first, uh, yeah, I I would agree with the feedback you had, basically. So David saying where the car was good on high grip and edgy tracks and that, but then that it lacked something in the sort of medium to low grip, especially on tight tracks, uh, where it could still be easy, but it just, you didn't have the steering or rotation you wanted, and then trying to get that was hard. And then Robert also, him having the issue of, Either he had st- the steering and not the support, or then he has the support and not the steering. I actually have uh, uh, felt those same issues. I have, since the beginning pretty much, thought that there's something a bit off. Like, the car is good, but there's a very basic issue, Okay. And I think it's a very sort of fundamental role center level sort of um, basic design of the car issue, okay? You can sort of fix it with setup, but it would make sense, at least for me, to understand what it is. And that's something I want to solve before I, you know, make much bigger changes to the car. And one thing actually that I'm doing now is I'm running a touring car and I've drawn up the different cars on the computer and sort of trying to figure out in touring car the different changes I'm making to hopefully learn something that I can apply to to eight-scale off-road because a car is a car, physics is physics. In touring car, it's easier to tell these kind of handling issues. I think it has something to do with that because when we have enough grip, we don't have the problem. When we have less grip, then we start to see the problem. And this is actually something that uh, is similar to when I explained earlier that you can have a way of setting up your car that you like, but your way could have an issue. This is kind of a similar thing. So, Understanding what you want, it's possible to 
achieve that in a different way where maybe you won't have that issue. So this is really why for me to understand the car and the setup is important because if I don't, I can't help you. But if I do, then I can. So that's kind of the step number one. I think the car will improve a lot when we understand this sort of uh, basic problem with the setup. And then in addition to that, I think that um, we just need more testing in different conditions for each of you so that you can find your own setup for the different conditions because your base setup will be one and then certain small changes only for the, the different conditions. But yeah, I, I agree with those things and that's sort of uh, what we need to improve. Definitely. Okay. So Joseph, uh, you, you want to, you said you wanted to talk about something else. You, you said something. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, Jared sort of started, uh, explaining how he drives that he is very precise mm -hmm. with the steering inputs. Uh, maybe just elaborate a bit more on how you like the car to handle, how you like to drive. And then we can go to Robert and then David, just so we learn to see the difference in what you like, because uh, a lot of people always say, well, a good driver, will, they'll just drive anything. Like he can win with anything. And I've never really agreed to that because when there are many good drivers, if one driver has exactly the kind of car that he prefers, he's going to be more comfortable and he's going to make less mistakes and he will be more in tune with the car than someone who has to adapt. Talented drivers adapt. That's why they're always good, always fast. But you still have a style that you prefer. So maybe maybe sort of try to explain how you like the car to drive and how you drive it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, the whole thing like, oh, a good driver can drive anything. That, you know, that was maybe accurate like 15 years ago, you know, maybe even 10 years ago. But now it's, you know, everyone's so much more advanced with car setup. Like the good drivers have to have a good car to be able to go fast. The pace is just too fast. Um, for me, I would say my driving style is a little bit unique where I learned how to drive an RC car with a two-wheel drive car and a two-wheel drive car on like looser conditions. You know, I learned how I learned all my skills with the gas truck. Um, so my throttle input is different. I get on the throttle a lot earlier than most. A gas truck, you know, your braking was really, really important. And you kind of set the truck up like on entry. And then you got on the gas early to carry your speed exiting so that you could like do the jumps and be set up correctly. So I, I brake a little bit earlier and I get on the throttle a lot earlier than most. So I do have some issues with support, kind of like what Robert was saying. I feel like I load the side of my car on the rear end quite a bit. So that's a little challenge that I've kind of fought multiple cars is just like where that rear camber link is like a shorter link. I feel more comfortable with sometimes because a longer link will just like give out sometimes if I'm, you know, 
really like loading the side of the car, like getting on the throttle really early. As far as steering, since I don't just saw the wheel, I like a really linear car. I can't drive a car that has a whole bunch of Ackerman where you just go in and, you know, lock the steering wheel and you just need it not to flip over. Um, I'm soft on the wheel on entry. Like I can really feel it. You know, if my car has a lot of steering, I, I, I like that feel, especially off center. Um, you know, I still want it to be pretty comfortable, but if my car is really delayed off center, I just miss my turn in. Um, so that's, that's where I've battled with the KPI one and KPI zero is sometimes I feel okay with the KPI one, but I miss my turn in a lot. Um, just to where like my apex is just not where it should be, you know, like if there's a bump on corner entry and you have one car width to go inside of that bump, when I run KPI zero, I can put my car there every single time. When I run the KPI one, I'm going to hit that bump half of the time. And, um, so I, I like the, just having kind of that sensitive, just where I, I know what the wheel is going to do, like every time I turn it. Um, and, you know, I keep kind of going to that front end thing where I just, I need to figure out which is just the best way for me to run it for a little while. Um, but as far as, you know, car handling and characteristics, I like pretty reactive feeling car. And I, you know, with being used to running two wheel drive, I run my rear diff a little bit heavier than most. Uh, when me and David were teammates, you know, granted that was a long time ago, we definitely ran different feeling cars. You know, he maybe has changed quite a bit. Like I don't like that front wheel drive feel. So I run my rear diff a little heavier and, you know, my front diff normally isn't really, really heavy. Uh, compared to my rear, I run them a little bit closer than some people do. Um, and yeah, I would say that's, those are kind of the only things I can really think of as far as car setup and, and feel, you know, maybe if you have some questions, I could clear that up a little bit, but that's kind of all I can think yeah. about right now. One thing that, uh, I'll show you here is, am I right in saying that most drivers, they drive like this with the throttle, but yeah. you have your finger sort of further in. I can't even do it. You drive like yeah, this to exactly where exactly right. Yep. When you make a larger movement with your finger, the throttle is actually moving a lot less. So the tip of my finger is yeah. moving a lot, but throttle is moving less. When mostly when I look at people, they're sort of driving the tip of their finger, but yeah, you're doing that. Is that am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And I mean, uh, Adrian hated me for that. I'm difficult to tune an engine for because, um, yeah, like when you listen, it sounds like my throttle is moving a lot because I kind of have this like bup, 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 kind of sound, mm -hmm. you I'm know, uh, like if when I do like practice videos and things like that. But like I'm not at neutral a lot and I'm not at full throttle a lot. I'm like in the middle quite a bit and once that throttle gets opened then it does move slowly and i think that was something with gas truck you know like i could have more grip and more corner speed than anybody and you know i think that was just the throttle like i moved it slower 
because I do, I drive right on that, that knuckle. Yeah, I was basically, I mean, I actually learned something here just now. So um, I thought you would be closer to David, to be honest, with your car. But when you say that you you basically get on throttle that much earlier, so the car starts moving the load to the back at an earlier stage, even though, even if it's not a lot, it's still at your own power and the car begins to accelerate, which then at that point when you are exiting, there's more load in the rear. So maybe you do, in fact, uh, need more rear support than David, who is David. Well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. So Robert, I guess. Next. Yeah, I think I would be the more aggressive from our three. Since I'm I'm getting used to drive the Mugen car, so you have to like throttle quite a lot to make it steer. But yeah, I usually load uh, quite more the front tire, and I mean both uh, lateral tires, like front and rear, from outside tires. It just I mean I don't like really really sensitive uh, steering, even if I steer not really a lot on my radio, like. I steer like 10 minutes to one way or 10 minutes to the other one. It's like super small uh, movements. But the first touch, I don't really like uh, to be aggressive. Like I, I, I like super smooth feeling at the beginning. And then I prefer to have it like more steering into the corner than just coming into the corner, just in the middle of the corner to have more steering. And also having quite good support on power since I quite um, throttle quite before than, than exiting the corner. So just when I'm already middle of the corner, I'm already uh, throttling. So yeah, I need a lot of support on the outside tire. I'm not, I'm not about full power and so on, but that's, that's really making a lot of load coming into the, the corner and also in the middle of the corner. So it's just a little bit more aggressive uh, than David for sure. And maybe Jared is between David and me, I would say, like like you talked about it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's this way. I also put my throttle finger as you, Jared, like quite in. I like more. I mean, I like, I don't know, I feel like more precise if i do this i don't know it's something i i i did since the beginning so yeah i think this i mean mainly softer initial steering and also support on the rear on power it would be the two best things for me yeah so i actually noticed an interesting difference between david and robert so David from all of last year, and then Robert now for this few weeks in in uh, South America. So yes, like Robert says, he's the most aggressive. Uh, I I buy that completely. But what <laughs> I noticed also was that part of the aggression is like uh, I think you somehow like automatically just go to the punched mode, and then soon you start to think. Okay, let me elaborate. So with okay. David, you put the car on the track, you do like one lap, two laps, and then 
then he drives the car like within what the car can do. And then he comes down and says, oh, this was good. This was no good. Okay. But you look at the car and it's like, he's going around the track. It looks pretty good. You know, anyone looking would be like, oh, that's dialed. But then actually, ah, no, maybe not. We can change something. Okay. Robert, on the other hand, (laughs) (laughs) Robert puts the car on the track. The first tank, let's be honest, the first five minutes, it can be a disaster. Smashing everything, like crashing. I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. Then he's like, no, 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 let me drive a bit more. Okay. Put some gas in the tank, go out. Then it looks dialed. So I think that there is this sort of mental switch that happens where with David, it's very quick and it's like one lap, two laps, boom, it's there. With Robert, it's like, I'm going to drive how I want to drive. Okay. The car's not doing it. Well, maybe. If I just smash it up for like five more minutes, it will do it. Then, no, it didn't. And then the switch changes. So this is definitely something that I noticed, which to me, I wasn't used to it. Like when we started working with David, I realized that if I don't watch the first lap or two, then I sort of missed my chance. Because when he first does a corner, if the car does something, that's what it does. And then the next lap, he already fixed it. Do you see what I mean? Like, if I want to know what the car is doing, I have to be like, like from the first moment he goes on the track. With Robert, I can have a beer and then go watch. Because he's, he's, he's still going to be smashing it a bit. And then he's going to, like, with Robert. Yeah, but I will, not do, I will not do this on a race. I mean. Yeah, well, maybe not. But I'm talking, like, not... testing and how, how you are, like, what you yeah, do. Yeah, testing for so, sure. I like to, so... I mean. I like you to test the limit. the limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm staying a little bit like completely on the limit. So I said, okay, not, not more than this. So then I go like, okay, 80%. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That's so true. it was something that I had to adjust myself to like, don't worry how it looks in the beginning. <laughs> it might still be good. <laughs> yeah. Just a side note. So that's a, that's a uh, funny thing you say. Cause uh, I worked a lot with, uh, Gil Losi, you know, kind of through all my time. And he said a similar thing about Kinwald that when, you know, Kinwald was at his prime and they would go testing together, Gil would only get one lap to see what the change did because on the second lap, Brian would adjust his driving and then you couldn't tell anymore. So I just wanted to share that, but I thought that was cool that you said that. Cool. I think uh, Viking, you're up next. What's your diff- What's your style change? Well, I I would like to start out with like listening to uh, Jared when he explained his way of driving. I I find it pretty interesting because I think when people ask me now how I drive my car, I wouldn't change like one word of what Jared said. Like I think that I have this like the steering wheel on the radio is is probably harder than yours. But I'm still making very small movement of the of the steering wheel, so I can handle a car which has a lot of steering. Like that's how I used to, you know, uh, drive my cars. It always has a lot of steering, and if some someone would, you know, pick up my car just like it is and drive it, they would probably not be able to go straight. An example of that is Robert trying my HB car in Barcelona after the e-buggy Euros. He said my car was looking amazing on the track. He takes the car 
and the first corner he makes it turns in three meters like before the corner it was like he was not able to go straight <laughs> with the car it was just impossible for him and he said like how can yeah, you drive hey. this car like that's it. <laughs> This was within the first five minutes of smashing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> he didn't want to smash my car, so. But uh, you know, I found that interesting because I would I would see myself drive the car pretty similar to what Jared explained as well, as where I would you know come into the corner, break a little bit earlier, and go on power pretty early as well. So, you know, maybe we will find now this year and 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 the years to come that our setups might be a lot closer now from what it used to be because I think I'm a different driver now than I was when we were in Kyosho together. Um, but yeah, I definitely, you know, need something which is very responsive, but I never use like the full travel on the steering if I don't have to. And then I control the steering with the thr throttle basically. So I feel like if I don't have a car which has a lot of, you know, rear end grip, coming out of the corner, I cannot drive. So I need a car which is pretty aggressive into it. And it also has to have a good, you know, easy, stable rear end coming out. But that in between that, you know, moment, the car needs to have a lot of rotation for me to set up the exit of the corner. So unless I get that rotation out of the car, I, I feel like I'm losing a lot of, you know, corner speed like that. And then I try to force the car to do things that, it might not be able to do and then i will you know start making mistakes so i'm very picky you know with that uh, it's interesting now when i've been practicing a lot of touring cars well you know my my main issue at the races i've done so far in touring cars basically you no know, on the exit of the corner i always feel good on entry but i never have a car that is kind of you know it doesn't have the grip that i wanted to have when i exit the corner because i think that i'm still maybe accelerating harder than Jared does but uh, the, the similar, we have a very similar, you know, way of driving, I think, uh, from what you just explained, at least. I think um, maybe... Before you, before you talk, before you talk oh, yeah. uh, what you said about the KPI 1, KPI 0 is also something that I found interesting, you know, during last year, because we obviously tried that a lot back and forth as well, uh, especially when, with me coming from the HP, uh, having something more similar to the KPI 0. I would always... You know, many times we would be at the track together, me and Joseph. I would probably tell Joseph, like, you know, oh, it feels amazing right now when driving the KPI zero. But the lap times were always showing that the KPI one was quicker. I didn't feel as good because that, you know, initial feeling of the steering wasn't there for me into the corner. But once I kind of accepted that and also worked on a few other things on the car, I was able to carry more corner speed because I, if I was just able to get over that hurdle into the corner, driving the KPI one, the car was much rounder in, in, in the center of the corner and it was also better on the exit. So I found that very interesting. Um, and from what you explained, Joseph, uh, with me kind of adapting very quick to setups, I think that is also pretty spot on because, um, if we if we go back like from when when I started my my dad it was always great ha you know working on the car so that I would finish races but I will never say that he was the you know the best in setups um, I don't think I ever you know maybe had the best car during when I grew up but I was always able to adapt very quick to what I had you know I 
I didn't always have the best car, but I did, you know, the best with what I had. Um, and and another thing would be like when I come to many of the races, you can always probably see me very quick out of the gate in the first practice because I feel like I have a good, you know, sense of how I want to drive the car around the track before we hit it on the first time. So that in the first practice, I'm always, uh, you know, already then after just a couple of laps feeling very good. I usually, you know, make a track walk, watch some other cars go around, kind of pick up a few different things from from the heats before me. And then I, uh, I try to, you know, put all these pieces together when I go out. So I feel like I'm very good at adapting, learning new tracks. But, uh, yeah, it was very interesting to hear what Garrett said uh, about his driving style because I think, you know, based on that, I think we should probably be able to have pretty close setups uh, from what I, what I can, you know, expect. Yeah, so I think there can be one difference. And if Jared, for example, now felt that he needed more support from the car, uh, it can have to do with how you use the steering wheel when you exit. Because I think we've also spoken about this with David and Adrian, how when, when David gets on power and exits the corner, he's also counter-steering or, like, straightening straightening out. Like, at some point, you have to stop turning, right? So the timing of how you apply throttle and when you straighten out the steering wheel, that's really key here. So if Jared, for example, is used to getting on the throttle early, but he's still turning the wheel, and then he gets more on the throttle and then straightens out, if there is, like, a slight difference in how you do that, then it's going to load that outside tire more. So in touring car, it's really obvious. Um, I drove David's touring car, for example. Um, I can't remember when, but at some point. And I couldn't go straight out of corners. And I know this feeling, and I'm not comfortable with it. And that's because I straighten out the, the wheel later. I like that feeling of I turn and I finish the corner and the car will go straight. Like doesn't keep on turning a bit right but david's cars almost always have that where i feel that when i want to go straight the car keeps turning and i think that's because i keep the wheel turned longer than him and this could be something that that jared does so like a difference in driving style and the timing of when you go straight versus when you get more on power uh, that could be one thing and then to continue on that I think that um, in one sense, even though setup style and even driving is different between Ongaro and uh, David, that one thing is similar to where, um, how can I explain this? I think that... Um, they both have a sort of particular way of setting up the car for them. It's a bit unique, and they are in tune with it to where other people aren't necessarily as comfortable with it just because of some kind of small timing thing like this, like just explained. So um, what I mean is when they drive into a corner and they are driving through a corner, they place the car at a sort of balance point, in a sense. And then 
they keep it there. And by doing this, my theory at least is, it's a bit like when you jump and you turn the wheel. You aren't just jumping the car and letting it float, and it's floating in some way. No. Like, if you control the car, you are in control. So you made the car keep turning in a certain direction in the air. Like, you you are in control. The car isn't just doing something and you are reacting to it. You are in control of the car. So if you load the car in this sense, you have it at a balance point and you, you are controlling it. So you are giving inputs and the car is reacting to it versus... Uh, someone like me, I, I feel most of the time, what I am doing is I drive in the corner and I react to what the car is doing, right? I am not making the car do something. I make it go in the corner and then I react to what happened mid-corner, right? But what I can see that Ongaro does and what I can see that David does is they put the car in a certain way, when they go in the corner and they keep it there and drive through the corner and go out. I I don't know if my explanation makes sense, but that's what I see. And when you have a style like that and a setup like that, it is very personal to you. So when someone else drives it and they have a bit different timing with their inputs or size of inputs, then they won't be in that balance point. And then they might turn in three meters too early or they might continue turning when they accelerate out. So that's um, my thoughts on that. Yeah, but. I think it's the correct because I feel like, you know, I I, I like when the, the rear end kind of steps out a little bit into the corner because that kind of sets up the corner for me. So unless it does that, I feel like the car is too stuck, you know, then I'm feeling like the car is pushy. So I need when I'm on the brake, I usually always have more rear brake than front brake as well if we're talking about the nitro. So that is all to kind of, you know, what you just explained for me to set up the car into the corner to where I feel like I can go around it the way I want to. So this is basically what I would like to learn for each one of you. So we can really hone in on how the car needs to work for you so you can be as fast as possible in you know all the different conditions so yeah it's not easy but i think that uh, that's really the only way to to consistently get the most out of of your racing otherwise it's a bit sort of uh, luck of the draw in a sense you're not in con- full control of of your destiny in in racing. <clears throat> yep. All right. Um, I just wanted to say something real quick. Uh, Jared, I have, I always listen to your throttle inputs at races for you and Fen for some reason. And very similar. It sounds like now Jake is going to laugh at me, but I'm glad you, you said this stuff because it always sounds to me like when you're inputting, like coming out of corners, uh, it sounds like you are doing the most minute throttle adjustments like you're just like nee, 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 nee. like it's not if i could see your finger look i would think it's going like this but now i'm just understanding you're just driving in the mid-range to an extent and that's where you're keeping the if, if i'm wrong that's where you're keeping the rpms of the engine right there and also creating uh binding your shock package and all that stuff to create more traction 
I notice I watch you. I listen to your throttle inputs and I listen to Fen's throttle inputs, and it's very similar to that. And I thought you're just making minute adjustments between neutral and mid, but you're keeping it in the mid range, and that's what it sounds like to me. I could be wrong, um, but when you explained that just now, it kind of shed some light on what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm just like blipping off a neutral. Um, no, it's it's like yeah, index I, I range. always like have a little bit of throttle in there, but yeah, I'm just moving it quite a bit for some reason. <laughs> yeah, interesting, JQ. See, that wasn't a dumb question, JQ. I, I can also know. say that when someone comments like the way you drive, it's like the next time you go on the driver's stand and you start to think about how you actually you know drive on the wheel and stuff, you can't even drive at all anymore. I had one guy, he made a video of me. Uh, I'm actually moving my fingers on the wheel as I drive. I've seen that. Like I don't have like a fixed position for my fingers. So they move as I turn. I didn't know until I saw this video. And then the next time I would go up and I would, you know, it would probably be my worst run ever because I tried to have my fingers fixed or something. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right, uh, JQ, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we, we let these guys go? We've had them on her for two hours now. No, I think this actually went better than expected. So first yeah. official team meeting, we made it pub a public one. No? Sweet. Oh, it's going it to be good to see. It's going to be good to see all of you guys together at DNC. I'm still kind of, I'm just not, still kind of getting used to you and my Akko girl, Tebow. It's, it's, it's still, it's still kind of like, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm shocked. I was, you know, I'm just. I'm not shocked, but I'm just. It's just an adjustment that I have to make. Uh, anything yeah, you guys want to say? I wouldn't have thought it would have happened, but it did, and uh, I'm pretty happy about it, really. But yeah, yeah it's, you, it's, it's definitely different. If you would have told me we'd be having this discussion in 2023, this podcast, I would have told you it was crazy. Uh, but it's been definitely a pleasure having you guys on. Uh, thank you, Jared. Thank you, David, for your time. Thank you, Robert, for your time. I know it's late over there in Sweden. Well, not late. It's getting late over there in Sweden and and Spain. JQ, you don't sleep, so it doesn't matter. Jared, I know you got family things to do and get ready for TNR this weekend. Uh, thank you for your time. I mean, we look forward to seeing this. Uh, I don't want to say threesome because that's not something like something else, but we're looking forward to this three pack of. Uh, you know, world champions driving in Mayako, and I can't wait for DNC and see what you guys do. D TNR is going to be interesting too this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for your time, guys. Um, it's it's an honor for me to be a part of all of this in a small way. So, uh, wow, JQ, like, if you'd have told me back, if you'd have told me in 2018 this is going to happen, out of you know, it would have been something else. Out of out of actually, what drugs you was on, good buddy? Let me have some. Because that's a good dream. All right, guys. Um, you guys have a good one. Thank you for your time. Get ready. Go enjoy your families. And um, thank you for uh, just talking to me. You know what? I didn't talk much. I just listened. That was great. It was good to do that. Unbelievable. Thanks thank to you, you mate. See yeah. you later. Thank you. Thank you to, for, for you guys' time. Have a good evening. Yeah. Bye-bye. Right. JQ, that went pretty good. That went pretty good. That was a good yep. chat. I, I listened more than I talked surprisingly good i would say yeah thank you for hey we didn't talk about our picks for sic you can't remember your picks but mine was fen tebow mayfield okay i was off on tebow but i did get two in my top three 
Okay. You can't remember who you picked. I think picked I said Fend would fend himself. I think I think I said Fend would fend himself. So that wasn't true. Yes. Bartholomew Bartholomew Baker messaged me Monday morning to say to you, "What's Jake you going to say about that?" Now, so he listened to you last week. That's right. I Bartholomew think, Baker. I think I fended myself. I fended yes. myself. I think. Yes, but congrats, hey, dude. Fans, it's going to be hard to beat this year. That's all I know. Very hard to beat. Very hard to beat. JQ, I know it's getting late there. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed the chat with uh, you guys. It was good to see you getting some information, finding out what e- each one of these guys like in their cars and stuff like that. That was very interesting. Yeah. Um, good. We, we were supposed to do questions, but that went too long. So we Joseph will be back to answer the rest of your questions next week. He has promised. I will hold him to his promise. Yeah. We have about a couple pages of questions to ask, and you will be back next week to answer that. Thank you for your time, JQ. Thank you to Robert, uh, Robert Badier, David Runnefout, and Jared Tebow for their time coming on and talking with us. Thank you guys for all the support. We greatly appreciate it. We can't do it without you, all the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do it without you. Thank you to all the patrons of the podcast. If you wish to be a patron, there's a link in the written description of this podcast. I am getting more active in there. Or if you don't want to be a patron, join our YouTube. It's very cheap. Uh, thank you to all these companies that support the podcast and advertise and sponsor us. They are InvisibleSpeed.net, Hitech RC, TNR Fuels, Sun Pedal USA, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Clinic RC, uh, Papa Willis Traction Tonic, Ardent Imprint, RC Horse, Racecraft USA, House of RC, WRCE, RCGP. Shout out to David Ranafalk and the Ranafalk Racing Shop, uh, JTPRC, Robert Baddy, and the uh, Alexander Hagberg. And shout out to all you guys. Uh, thank you for all the support. Nitro is the glory. E Buggy pays the bills. JQ's tired. You got anything to say to everybody before we go, JQ? No. Thank you. That's what JQ has to say. Lefty and JQ are out. We're out. Now I just need to find the outro, JQ. You're supposed to be in charge of all this stuff. Why don't you have the outro going? Come on, man. Wait. Come I, on, I found man. it. Wait. Here it is. Wait. <laughs> See you later.